Danielle McCartney. Sports Radio 101.9 FM and Sports Radio 66 WFAN. And good morning, New York sports fans. On this very special weekend, it is the weekend before the big game, the Super Bowl. For all the marbles, we have two teams playing a week from today. I'm Daniel McCartan. McCartan, after midnight, how was that jingle? That's kind of surreal. I'm going to be taking all things New York sports with you until 6 a.m. on this early, early Sunday morning. Or if it's late Saturday night, if you're still out and about in the city that never sleeps. Coming to you live from the Mike Francesa studio in lower Manhattan. We're going to be together a lot tonight, you and me, till 6 a.m. I've got Pat behind the glass. He's already taken some phone calls tonight. He's ready, willing, and obviously able to take your calls. You guys know that number, 877-337-6666. Please, let's load them up with your best content only, all right? Okay, so we had a lot of news happening this week, especially through the lens of New York sports. And I would be remiss um, sitting here in my Derek Jeter t-shirt without starting with the Derek Jeter Hall of Fame news. When you go by And Derek Jeter, he, he he may have been nervous, and that's what he said, but everybody with a brain, besides that one lone voter, considers him a first ballot Hall of Fame shortstop. And now it's official. Derek Jeter will be inducted alongside Larry Walker, only a class of two, which has not happened in a, in a couple years, into the Baseball Hall of Fame. Sunday, July 26th, 2020. At first, as you guys know, Anybody with the Twitter knows that there was outrage, outrage about the fact that he was not a unanimous selection. And for me, it was more surprise, actually. I had figured that every, every single writer voter would buy into the lore, would buy into the squeaky clean image of Derek Jeter, the captain. And in fact, one didn't. And before we turn this into a witch hunt for that one writer, let me ask you, do you think Derek Jeter actually cares if he was unanimous or not? I bet you just talked to your radio or to your phone and said the word no. So why then, everyone, are we going to care more than he does about it? The fact is that Derek Jeter is going to be the 24th player to enter the MLB Hall of Fame as a New York Yankee, there are four whole franchises that don't even have a player wearing their caps in the bron- in their bronze plaque. And in case you're keeping track, don't Google it. I've got it for you. Teams that don't have a single player wearing their cap in the Hall of Fame are the Los Angeles Angels, the Miami Marlins, the Tampa Bay Rays, and the Washington Nationals. Derek Jeter's credentials to enter the Hall of Fame were, as we all know, never debatable. Everyone that has ever watched a game of baseball knew when he was at an early age that Derek Jeter was destined for Cooperstown, and there were no ifs, ands, or buts about it. So let's all take a page out of Aaron Rodgers' book and relax. Let's reminisce about the illustrious career that one of New York's homegrown talents has enjoyed and will be memorializing this summer in July, and from one Hall of Fame career 
to another. After everything I've done, you look good to me. You look good to me. And that's Jeremy Zucker and, and Chelsea Cutler. You were good to me. And I'm going to open this with a quote from Eli. And he said, believe me, this is nothing. There's nothing easy about today. Wellington Mara always said, once a giant, always a giant. For me, it's only a giant. And Eli was certainly good to his fans. Easy E, Eli Manning, after careful consideration, chose retirement for 2020. So after seeing 16 seasons of seeing number 10 under center, Giants fans will get used to a new normal of seeing number eight out there. This is Daniel Jones's team from here on out. The Empire State Building tonight, driving in, is lit up in red, white, and blue. Why? For Eli Manning. If you look closely, I was at the red light looking over to my left. I think there's a number 10 that's scrolling on it. If I can remember, I can drive home that way, and I'll take a better look at it. But it is for sure to celebrate the, the career of Eli Manning. And what kind of man was Eli Manning? Well, you can be the judge. What does it tell you that a press conference on Friday had to be moved from the team's auditorium to the team's field house and practice facility just to accommodate the audience of people wanting to wish him well in retirement? What does it tell you that friends, family, reporters, Giants employees, and over 40 teammates rearranged their current and former, by the way, rearranged their plans at the drop of a hat for Manning and his announcement? What does it tell you that the game's greatest players, current and former, made public well wishes for Eli? And what does it tell you that the highlight reel that the Giants played for him to kick off the beginning of the, we'll call it a ceremony on Friday, featured him holding both a Lombardi trophy and a child sick with cancer, accepting a Super Bowl MVP award and an NFL Man in the Year trophy? That tells you that Eli Manning not only was an extraordinary player, but an even better man. There were two things in that press conference that Eli said that kind of stuck out to me. One was that he thanked many people, including even the cafeteria workers. Imagine that. That mentality that I know, that you're raised to treat the janitor with the same respect as a CEO. I was actually in line in front of Eli in the team cafeteria one day this past spring. And that's a, that's a whole other story. But that was um, with a, uh, let's call it a reporter's camp with Laura Oakman. It's called Galvanize if you wanted to Google it. But um, I was in line with Eli in the team cafeteria that, that one day. And just from an outsider's perspective, you could just tell that he just built a relationship with every single person in that building, including, yes, the cafeteria workers too. And he certainly embodied the meaning of that adage. And the second thing that stuck out to me in that press conference was Eli also said that he consulted with many people, including his brother Peyton, about playing elsewhere in a different uniform. Eli was put in a tough spot, not wanting to play for another team, yet that little line there tells me that he still thinks he has something left to give to the game of football. I can imagine that's an extremely difficult decision. But nevertheless, Eli is walking away from the game as a player on his own terms, under his own conditions. 
And while Eli did not ride off into the sunset with confetti in his hair and a Lombardi trophy in his hands like his brother Peyton did, Pat Shermer did allow him to have the send-off he deserved that day at MetLife Stadium. He even, Pat Shermer, now he's gone, but he even took a timeout just to elongate the ovation Eli received from Big Blue's faithful. So what's next for Eli Manning? Some of you have asked me on Twitter, will Eli Manning become an analyst? I don't think so. I see Eli returning as a coach sooner rather than later. His propensity to mentor the other quarterbacks in the room, to stay late, to get there early, and to spend time in the team cafeteria away from the meeting rooms with them tells me what an awesome and a welcome fit that would be for Eli Manning, for the New York Giants, and yeah, for those young quarterbacks. Sure, you and I are going to have this discussion over the next five years. Will we see a bust of Eli Manning in Canton, Ohio? Is he a Hall of Famer? Will he get in? Those are two very different questions. And for me, the answer is yes to both. In my opinion, Eli Manning is in fact a Hall of Fame quarterback. And with all this leaving going on, that's a Bon Jovi song, Brett Gardner and technically Zach Diossi, who I, though, will anticipate him joining Manning in retirement, they are the only active New York area athletes to win a championship with their New York team. There, let's just say, hasn't been a lot of winning going on here in the greatest city in the world. Early Friday afternoon, the media converged upon East Rutherford to send off Eli Manning. And late Friday afternoon, another crowd of media, albeit much smaller, was being hosted at City Field to welcome the second new Mets manager in three months, Luis Rojas. So if at first you don't succeed, Brody Van Wagenen, dust yourself off and try again. That's Aaliyah. What was peculiar to me was the fact that the Mets seemingly Friday news dumped the announcement of their new manager. And it wasn't just any regular old Friday. It was one where the longest tenure New York giant, Eli Manning, announced his retirement. Belcheat, that's what I call Carlos Belcher right now, Belcheat, his hiring was a whole circus of hype. Rojas's 3 p.m. press conference was streamed on YouTube and right here on WFAN. The Mets absolutely did the right thing in following the Red Sox's lead and firing their manager. There was no need for the Mets to compromise their on-field integrity and to subject their current players to the scrutiny of the media, of the other team's players, and most importantly, of their own fans. With three weeks to go, the Mets were in a jam. That almost rhymes. They seemingly could have had their pick of any of the been-there-done-that managers. Buck Showalter, Dusty Baker to name two. But Brody Van Wagenen, in his 454 days here in New York, chose, in his very short tenure, his third manager. All with zero managerial experience. To me, that raises more questions than answers. Brody clearly has a type. But has he yet shown that he is the man? That he has made moves for the betterment of this team? To me, no. No, he hasn't. And as you'll see tonight, I think he's got the right mentality. But I think 
in terms of the moves he's made, first and foremost, I said it at the time, the Robinson Cano deal was going to set the Mets back years. And nevertheless, I told you right here last week that that was the direction I saw Brody Van Wagenen going. I also told you right here last week that Luis Rojas would be the guy. And in fact, he was. Rojas signed a two-year deal to manage the win-now New York Metropolitans. Can he get it done? And I also don't mean to be a jerk, but has anyone asked Brody Van Wagenen why he didn't choose Rojas in the first place? And guys, did you hear that there's a there's big game called the Super Bowl being played a week from today? My in Miami, the forecast is currently set for partly cloudy and 71 degrees. And I think I'm going to put a prop bet out there for everyone. Will the sun ever come out in Miami? I'm sure you guys have been tuned in to the Pro Bowl skills challenges or not. But if you were, you might have noticed that the fans have been wearing long sleeves and light jackets under those clouds and rain. Yuck. I tuned into a few of those skill competitions. Eh. I think that those types of events, including the Pro Bowl itself, which is on later today at 3 p.m., are better viewed in person. Because I know I won't be watching the Pro Bowl. I'll be at Grandma's 94th, no, 91st birthday party. And a few hours ago, by the way, was the first Super Bowl Gatorade bath that took place, the anniversary of it. Out of that, Bill Parcells got a $120,000 Gatorade sponsorship deal. Harry Carson got $20,000 to have his image replicated of him dumping the orange Gatorade on the poster. And Phil Simms got $50,000 for saying he's going to Disneyland. And so we are officially one week away from the big game, the Super Bowl. Two of the best teams, in my opinion, made it to that big game, and we could talk about that as well. I wanted to kind of keep it lighthearted tonight, though, but because I'm going to be back on Super Bowl Sunday morning with you guys from 3 to 6, where we can do wall-to-wall Super Bowl coverage. I can get a special guest or two for you. We've got Demi Lovato singing the national anthem this year. Halftime show featuring Jennifer Lopez and Shakira, and there's no way that Mr. 305 Pitbull doesn't make an appearance. He has to. We're also in peak Super Bowl party watch plans. We can talk about your best Super Bowl party ideas, decorations, and dishes. There are 16 days till pitchers and catchers. Get on the phone, 877-337-6666. I'm Danielle McCartan, and he's Marco Belletti. Hey guys, it's Maggie. Coming up on Monday's show, pitchers and catchers just a few weeks away. So what is the challenge that is staring Luis Rojas in the face? Boos and I will talk about the Mets rookie manager. Plus, with the Super Bowl week now upon us, can the Jets and the Giants take a page from San Francisco and Kansas City's book? We'll discuss it all on the Midday Show, 10 to 2 p.m. on Sports Radio 101.9 FM and Sports Radio 66. WFAN and WFAN FM, New York. Oh, I like this one. Good morning again, everybody. I am Danielle McCartan. Pat, I got to get the name of that one. You got to send me that. What is it? Selena Gomez. Yeah, the song, though. Dance Again. Oh, I like it. So, we are here on WFAN Radio. And um, let's talk a lot of the calls already on holder about the Mets. So, let's go there first. You guys get on the phone. 877-337-6666 is the phone number. You'll get through and you talk to Pat. And get on board. Um, 
you know, I watched the entire on YouTube um, hiring press conference of, of Luis Rojas. I also listened on the radio actually too. So I kind of watched it two times, maybe even three times. And, you know, there are some things that stuck out. Actually, what I want to talk about first was the interview that Brody Van Wagenen did with uh, Steve Gelb from SNY. And I know that I had championed for, you know, first of all, I think with it being so close to spring training, the Mets had to have somebody that's been there, done that, at the managerial level, on the MLB level. I think we all knew that that wasn't going to happen with Brody Van Wagenen. And I told you it was going to be Luis Rojas. And like I said in the open, Brody Van Wagenen, I kind of like his mentality. I just don't like the moves he made. And he he was asked, Steve Gelb asked him, um, what does he think about basically a young, a young having a young staff? Because Rojas is the second youngest manager, by the way, in the entire Major League Baseball. I think Rocco Baldelli is the one that's younger, the only one that's younger. And the response Brody Van Wagenen kind of resonated with me. He said, Players relate to people who they can identify with. Sometimes people who are a little bit closer in age with the players that are playing, there is an immediate bond that can be formed. You know, I kind of agree with that. Because when I was coaching softball, there was like a 75-year-old man on the coaching staff trying to relate to – he was the head coach trying to relate to high school girls. I mean, he would make jokes that I didn't even understand. And I think there's there was just – an immediate level of bonding that happened just because I was so, I was one was female and two, just so much closer in age with those kids than he was. And, and I think that that worked in my favor. Not I think I know, I know that worked in my favor and I know it worked against him. So I kind of agree with that, that there's an immediate bond just based on age. I, I kind of agree with that. And was the hiring of Rojas, you know, the right hire? I mean, I'll ask again. Why, If he was such the right hire on January, whatever, 24th, then why wasn't he the right hire on November, what was it, 12th? Nobody asked Brody Van Wagen in that question. And if I was in that room, I think I would have. No, I know I would have. Let's head to the phones. Let's go to first on hold was Kevin in Camden. You're on the fan. How are you doing, Daniel? What's up, Kevin? What do you got for me this week? Uh, today I want to talk about uh, Luis Rojas. Mm-hmm. Um, when I, I watched the press conference, and I had a different, you know, normally when I watch the press conferences and they introduce managers, they're all, like, cheerful, usually, like, happy. I noticed when I watched it, I was like, okay, he's, like, he's all business-like, and he seems very, like, like, Team oriented, like team focused, like he was all about the team. Mm-hmm. Like that's a, that's a different uh, approach that you know normally first time managers don't really take that approach with the Mets. So well, I, I, I'm, I was impressed with that. Kevin, he, he well, he's not a first time manager. I mean, he's done it for many. I mean, the big levels. league level. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's but he just so everybody knows that that Luis Rojas has managed Mets teams, specifically Mets teams at the lower levels. So just so everybody knows. Yeah, and um, Brody did sign uh, Eduardo Nunez today, so I'm yeah. kind of you know intrigued about that because he was a former Yankee. Yeah, uh, he wasn't too far removed from having a good season. So I mean, I don't know how it's going to work out, but I mean, Brody does these kind of moves, and it's like you know, I, I I don't you know, we'll see how it works out. But you know, and as far as Belchip, well, <laughs> I already know how I feel about Belchip, so yeah. I'm not even going to get into that again. But you know, I'm just like I'm I'm hoping every year. I hope the Mets do well. I hope every year. 
I'm, and hope, and usually, you know, I get disappointed. But hopefully, this is the year. I get optimistic every year, so I'm hoping for the best. Yeah, I mean, I think Kevin. I think like, we, we all are. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Kevin. I, I think we all are. I mean, all of us. I mean, I know I am. All of us here in New York and Mets fans included are obviously hoping for the Mets to do well. And you mentioned the Eduardo Nunez signing. Yeah, that news came out. What was it? Late, really late. Um, and yeah, he signed Eduardo Nunez. He's a, I think I saw an eleven-year veteran. This will be his eleventh season, but it's a minor league deal. I mean, it's basically a show me deal. I mean, Eduardo Nunez is not an impact player, and maybe he can be for the Mets. Um, but it's just it's a move that's going to solidify their depth. And right now, they don't have a lot of depth, especially in the infield. Well, really, especially anywhere, but especially on the infield, because what happens when you look at their, their I look today at the depth chart, I mean, you got Alonzo at first, you got Cano at second, which is a travesty, you got Rosario at shortstop, and then you got McNeil at third. McNeil, in my opinion, should be playing second base, and they should have never signed Robinson Cano, and they should have went out and got a third baseman. But it is what it is. I mean, that's that's Brody Van Wagenen's move. But now at least you got Eduardo Nunez and, and maybe J.D. Davis to fill in in those spots where some of those guys are going to obviously need a break. C.J., in Mount Holly, you're on the fan. Danielle, how you doing? Okay, C.J. All right, you know, looking at the Mets, I want to make a comment about the managerial situation. You know why I mean, all these people make such a big deal who they hire? How many games do you think our manager really makes a difference in the game? I think it's so overrated. I only think maybe he makes a three, four-game difference, difference in the season. What's your thought? Well, if that is true, I think that the Mets would be in a position where they would need someone to win those three to five games. You know, yeah. um, you know that's, that's the DNL East this year. It's going to be tight. And if you don't get in as the NL East champion, you're going to have to win as many games as you can as a wild card team. And, uh, you know, I know it's collaborative. I know that. Um, but, you know, as have a manager that the players trust and know and like and play for, that's big for me. I have one player I'm very intrigued. I think he might become a superstar by the end of the year. And last, uh, last year, he made great strides. I think Rosario yeah, is going to do his third year. I knew you were going to say Rosario. You know, like you said, as soon as he figured out his defensive struggles, I mean, he went to the film room and he was studying. I mean, they found, um, what was it? that I think I remember seeing that it wasn't, when the ball was pitched, he was standing too upright. And when the ball yeah. was pitched, he started coming down as the ball was pitched in motion, and it has helped him tremendously. Rosario is going to be the guy to watch for me for the Mets next year. Yeah, I think he made extremely nice strides at the end, like you said. And I think, you know, the sky's the limit for that guy. I really do think so. Yeah, I really like what I see from him. Yeah. Now, getting also to the pitching staff, what I don't like is basically Wheel's not in the staff. He's down there in Philly. They're going to have to see him like 18. There's going to be maybe four starts that they're going to have to see him. And I think Wheel's going to make him pay the price. I think that was a big mistake letting him go. If you're going to show you a serious contender to your fans, let's get four or five quality stars in the rotation. And I think you really made a mistake in that one. Yeah, don't give me Porcello and Waka. That, that's not going <laughs> to cut it for me. Yeah. Yeah. Now, all right, getting to the Knicks, on the other hand, 
You know what? There was an article yesterday that they thought they should be winning more games, that Mills was shot, that Perry was shot. You have four to five power forwards with six, six, eight players on the team at once. What do you expect from today's NBA? They ex- which yeah. CJ, they, made them, they expected them to make the playoffs is what I saw. Make the playoffs. They don't even know I mean, point guard. How do you make the playoffs without a point guard? There's absolutely no talent on this team. But I just wanted to say, he's taken a little bit of some criticism recently with R.J. Barrett. Shooting skills usually lags behind other skills in a young player. I like the fact that he's aggressive, mm-hmm. he's very eager, and he gets to the hole. I'm going to make a statement. I think if he wants to shoot, gets a good outside shot, he will be a superstar. I'm not confident in him as long as he can improve his shooting ability. Yeah, and, and CJ, and, and his foul shooting ability too. I mean, that's going to be obviously a, a big upgrade needed for R.J. Barrett. But then he's needs a, he needs a, a partner. I mean, he can't just run the whole show, you know? It, it's it's a dual tandem league. Who is his, his 1A or who is his 1B even? They don't have a talent. They don't have that. And when you get a guy in there that can elevate the play of, of everybody else, you'll see R.J. Barrett blossom into something. But the Knicks just have to get to that point, and that's the problem. They are not an attractive destination for a, a big-name free agent. They're just not. I got my hair cut today. We were talking about this at the hair salon. The Knicks are not just a destination that someone wants to go and play. There's uncertainty in the front office. There's uncertainty with how they've drafted, which I, th- I think is not bad. There's uncertainty on how they can assemble a team. But the, the biggest thing for the Knicks is that they have such a loyal fan base that, that deserves to be rewarded. And they're just they're just not. Bruce in Flushing, you're on the fan. Hi, Danielle. Um, something happened this week involving a cheating scandal that got very little publicity but could be a bombshell. Which is? A, a guy who bet with DraftKings did a class action lawsuit against DraftKings. I saw that. Major League Baseball yep. and Houston Astros covering 2017, 2018, and I believe 2019. I'm not 100% sure. If this thing goes to discovery, so Major League Baseball has to tell the court what, how much they, they know mm-hmm. and when do they know about it. Yeah, I, I did see that. That was like pretty much, it was like last Sunday or Monday that came out. It was early in the week. I, I do remember seeing that. And Now, yeah, like I said, if the, if the information, I mean, you're Major League Baseball, you either have to settle the lawsuit or tell the truth. And if you tell the truth, things can be very interesting. Yeah, and, and Bruce, thanks for the call. That's a, it's a great point. I, I did want to talk about that tonight too because the, I think that was started with the fact that that one sports book. I don't know who which one it was, but the one sports book. I joked about it on the air last week. Is refunding. Any bet that you made for the Yankees to win the World Series, I think, in 2017. And I know I had money in 2017 uh, for the Yankees to win the World Series. And I know I did it through one of the casinos in Las Vegas because I go pretty much once a year. And I don't have the ticket anymore. I'm never going to see that money back. But now with the online gambling, they are going to be able to refund or they, they might have already refunded everybody that put money on the Yankees to win the World Series in the year that their Astros cheated against them. And I think that was what this class action lawsuit came from. So that is going to be huge. Now that this sports betting is involved in this, people are, you know, like you said, 
the truth is going to come out. And those players who have been real smug all week long and non-apologetic and, and Justin Verlander even tonight when, when he accepts his, uh, his Cy Young um, award tonight at the, at the baseball writers' dinner, maybe some of you guys are leaving there now, Verlander said every, when in his acceptance speech, everyone knows that the Astros are technologically, analytically advanced. I mean, what? Are you kidding me? Who says that? That just cements Justin Verlander's uh, place in, in one of the, what's it called, one of the most hated players on one of the most hated teams in baseball. And then you get Dallas Keuchel, who gives like a sorry, not sorry sort of answer. I mean, Today he was asked at, at the White Sox. Uh, the White Sox, in addition to the Mets, also had their fan fest today. And he gave like a, a sort of like a deflection apology, passive voice, wasn't taking ownership of it. You know, he didn't deny it either. It was weird. He said, opened with, I think apologies should be in order. When the stuff was going on, it was never intended to be what it's made to be right now. That's passive voice. That's not taking ownership of it, okay? He continued on to say, uh, during the course of the playoffs in 17, everybody was using multiple signs. Oh, basically like, oh, because everybody else was doing it too, makes us doing it fine. You know, that was fine for us to do too. Took no ownership over it. And then he said, I personally am sorry for what's come about the whole situation. What's come about? What about, what about your part in it? He didn't deny doing it. And then he says, we have to move on. Move on. The investigation isn't even over yet. How could people possibly move on? Please. That This gets me worked up. If you want to call about that, you're more than welcome to. 877-337-6666. Have to hit a break. I see you guys on hold. I will get to you as soon as the break is over. I'm Daniel McCartan on The Fan. After a big weekend of sports, make sure you're listening to Joe Beningo and me, Evan Roberts, tomorrow at 2 p.m. We react to the big Knicks-Nets game. Plus, more importantly, it's Super Bowl week. We start to get you ready for the Kansas City Chiefs against the San Francisco 49ers. It's the Afternoon Show with Joe Beningo and me, Evan Roberts, on The Fan. Sports Radio 101.9 FM and Sports Radio 66, WFAN and WFAN-FM, New York. Welcome back, everybody, to McCartan After Midnight here on WFAN Radio in the greatest city in the world, New York City. And we were just talking right before the break about this Astro scandal and all that. And, you know, while the commercial break was happening, I started perusing Twitter. And some of the best stuff comes out on Twitter at 2.43 in the morning. But let me tell you something. Just backtracking real quickly to Dallas Keuchel and what he had to say was to move on. You can't move on because the investigation is not over yet. How could people possibly move on? And on the TV right now is the Astros' home and road splits for the 2017 season. At home, they were 8-1 and one in the postseason. On the road, they were 3-6. and six. The strikeout percentage at home was 15%. On the road, it was 23%. That's a significant difference, everybody. How could you move on from that? The greatest, most technologically advanced cheating scandal of all time. Dallas Keuchel, he's enjoying his ring. 
Nothing to see here, everyone. Just move along. I know I never want to hear a single person call in here and tell me that the New York Yankees buy their champions when when this team cheated their way to one and they weren't individually punished and they are not even remorseful about it. Is there enough evidence to open a new case? I'd like to see it. I'd love to see it. And there's a reporter, Susan Sluicer, I want to say, on Twitter, Sluicer. Um, they, uh, Oakland A's also had their fan fest today. And I just watched a video she posted that has like 150,000 views of Mike Fires walking out. Mike Fires, of course, was the whistleblower to cheers. He, I mean, we talked last week about how Mike Fires was going to be um, received around the league this year with the Oakland A's. He, he's come out to cheers at this fan fest of 32,000 people are cheering for him, is what she says. She estimated that fan fest drew 32,000 people. And he did a question and answer, actually, too. And, and he was even cheered even louder when he was brought out for the, the question and answer. And I know this is not, like, for real, for real, but a, fa- a couple of fans were chanting MVP, she says. And they asked him, so, Mike, uh, what have you been doing this off season?" He said, staying off the Internet. I think that's hilarious. Oh, my God. I think that's hilarious. Because, of course, he's the whistleblower. But you know what? Good for him. Good for him and for coming forward the truth you gotta you gotta respect that let's go back to the phones tony in providence you're on the fan tony oh man i hate when that happens tony you gotta give us uh gotta give us a call back there tony you're waiting for so long all right anthony and wyckoff you're up next on the fan how are you doing danielle what's up anthony i just want to discuss the mets and show walter yeah, sure. I'm more of a Yankee fan, but I have a lot of that I kind of discuss that often get the job. But I'm torn between the middle. A lot of the guys on WFP during the week say it was a money situation, that they're paying the last guy 850 and they're going to have to pay the new guy. Yeah. My, my feeling on it is that Buck's very experienced. The Mets are close. I think he's the type of guy that puts him over the top. Yeah, they want to go with the analytics, the younger guy, spend a million. That's fine, but you're going to make the money. Buck's going to put more people. The team's going to win. I would, I think it's crazy if it's a money situation with the Wilpons that you're going to get the people when you start winning. You've seen last year, August and September, when the Mets got hot, mm-hmm. the ballpark is full. Now, I, I just personally think Buck would have put them over the top. And like a lot of people talk about the games fallen five, six, seven, eight games short. I think, you know, Buck closes that gap. That's my opinion. I'll listen to yours. Yeah, Anthony, and thanks for the call. I mean, like I said last week, I was a proponent of the Mets getting someone like a Buck Walter because, let's be honest, there are three weeks until pitchers and catchers uh, uh, come or report or less at this point. So, I thought the Mets needed – I mean, it's very hard to come in and take over a team as as the head of the team with that much time, you know? But then that raises a question to me of like, well, how much does the guy actually have? The manager – what kind of a say, what percentage of say does the manager actually have? And I think the track record of Brody Van Wagenen speaks for itself. He's been here for 454 days, has hired three managers – 
all with zero experience. I think that's all you need to know. He's not looking for a guy that has experience. He wants to be the guy. He wants to be the guy in charge. He knows better than everyone else in that room. And that could be really great for the Mets, or that could be really bad for the Mets. But I just don't think that this is the point in time where they needed to break in a brand new manager at the major league level. It's just not not the time. And it's really a shame if it really comes down to the money. I mean, Rojas signed a two-year deal. I mean, the Mets are win now. The Mets are, are win now. And to get Yankees fans calling in about this, it's, that's, you know, it's something. And I think, you know, once we've eliminated the guys that have actual manager, managerial experience at the major league level, once we've eliminated all those, because you know that's not who Brody Van Wagenen was looking for, of the remaining ones, I told you last week, Luis Rojas was the best of the remaining ones. And in fact, there he is with no fanfare, no nothing, just a live stream on the fan on, on for audio and a live stream on YouTube for video. And that was it. And there were some pros and cons from that press conference that I took. Um, there were some pros and cons that I took from what Brody Van Wagenen said to Steve Gelb from SNY. I mean, it's just, what are they going to do so close to the start of the season? That's the thing. That's the thing. And Luis Rojas, the hiring of him as an inexperienced manager makes me think that the Mets don't have a lot of input from their manager on any day-to-day. So it doesn't matter who it is. They just needed to fill the position. And that's why Joe Girardi didn't get hired, who that was the favorite, I think, among everybody you talk to. Mets fans are not Mets fan. Joe Girardi was the guy. And, of course, they didn't go that way. And they didn't go Buck Showalter. And they didn't go Dustin Dusty Baker. They picked out of all their hirings, all Brody Van Wagenen's hirings, all three of them, all of them have zero managerial experience at the MLB level. It's a shame. Morris in Brooklyn, you're on the fan. Hey, what's up, Danielle? What's up? Good. Um, I got two quick points. If you go, let me get through them, and then uh, question. What's up? First of all, I don't. I didn't hear any talk show radio host word it perfectly. The whole Astro scandal, you like hit it on the nail. This is like next level. I tell people about it that don't even know about baseball. Mm-hmm. They're like, "What is that? Seriously, that happened? It just you worded it perfectly. This is crazy." Yeah, and like I, you said, next. It's next level. It's it's not. And, and this is another thing, too, that we talked about last week. Uh, you know, I brought it up. Is it worse than the cher- the steroid cheating scandal? In my opinion, of course it is. It is because that's those are individual guys trying to gain yeah. an advantage. This is systemic cheating from the organization, from the ground up. That's why this is a problem. It, it damages the integrity of the game. Well, that's crazy. And also another point was um, Lori had, had like a whole – she was talking about a certain concept – of not hiring enough uh, people of color, so like coaches and managers. Mm-hmm. But, like, I don't think that should be the focus. Yes, should there be more people like that? Yes, for sure. Should we hire them? If I was a general manager, I would probably hire one, for sure. If he's a good manager, I'm hire him. Mm-hmm. Let's not be making a difference. Let's not make that they're different. They're not. They're, we're, we all are one. We're all one type of people, and we're all, we're all in this together. And if someone hires a person that is not a person of color, it doesn't mean that he does, has something wrong with a person of color. Let's stop being different. 
let's be all one together. And Morris, I yeah, I'll stop you right there for a second, and I'll let you ask the, the question at the end. But yeah. as you're talking, I'm thinking, I'm sitting here thinking of Becky Hammond, too. Like, she's got, she should be getting looks to be a head coach in the NBA. She should be. I mean, she's, she's an assistant for Greg Popovich. So it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're pur- blue, purple. It doesn't matter. If you are the best person for the job, you're going to get the job. That's how I would do it if I was running running a team, and I think mm-hmm. you agree with that. Exactly, you got to look at the person who they are, and and, and not and not like she's saying about giving a drastic to somebody if they pick a person. Go like, what? Why is it different? You you look at them differently. I don't. Yeah. I, I would I would hire them whether uh, male, female, whatever it is. Yeah. If, if you are a the, good coach, I'm hiring. Right. If you're the best coach for the job, if you're the best person for the job, you'll get the job. Yeah, exactly. And also, my question. Sorry, I'm thinking so long. No. It's great speaking to you. You should have many more jobs, hopefully. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and uh, the fans could hear from you. Um, the question is that, like, the baseball trade market this offseason is very quiet, and I feel like the Yankees need that, like, one more trade, maybe for first base or, or a reliever or an infielder that maybe could take shortstop and second base. I feel like they need that. I wonder who you think would be, like, a good – would they do a reliever or first baseman? And, like, who would they get and who would they have to give up? Like, what do you think would be the good options for the Yankees? Yeah, thanks, Morris, for the call. I'll answer that. I'll hang up on you. Sorry about that. But so that um, you can you can hear the answer here. I think I think the, the Yankees – I said the Giants. I think the Yankees are set for right now up until the trade deadline because you got to think that – you mentioned an infielder. You have to think that although D.D. Gregorius is gone, they're also gaining Miguel Andujar back from being injured. So it's almost like it's a wash right there for me. Um, and I know Didi was loved. I, I, I love Didi as well. He was one of the best interviews I've ever had, um, et cetera, et cetera. But and Duhar coming back does sort of kind of makes it hurt less, let's just say. And um, as far as a reliever, I think you wait and see what you got if you're the Yankees until at least the trade deadline. And if you, you need a little help in the trade deadline or at the trade deadline, you got to take a look at Josh Hader. I mean, he's the best reliever, uh, you know, available in, in the in the league. And I think that losing Dylan Matanzas will hurt them um, because, you know, he, he's really good. I think that's going to really help the Mets. But as far as infield... At first base, even, I'm okay with Luke Voigt for now. I'm okay with um, Mike Ford for now. I think they'll be fine at first base. I think if you're looking at the Yankees and you're looking at, you know, the Achilles heel of the Yankees would be in the relief pitching, the long-range relief pitching. That would be the only, and I'm not saying it's a huge weakness because it's not. I mean, the Yankees are in just, like, tinkering mode right now. They're just tinkering. And hopefully Aaron Boone will let his, his starting pitchers go a little bit deeper into games, everybody, so that you don't have to dig into the bullpen so soon. But I, I look at Josh Hader in terms of trade possibility at the deadline, not right now. I'm looking at his contract right now. He only made $4.6 million last year, and he's under arbitra- you know under team control through – the 2023 season. So if that's a piece that you need to complete your championship roster, you do it. And especially the Yankees. They are, we talk about the Mets being win now. 
the Yankees are absolutely win now. Because the Mets didn't get to within one game of the World Series like the Yankees did in 2017. And if you saw today, who was it? I think it was Freddie Freeman at, at the, it must have been Fan Fest Day across MLB because he was at a Fan Fest the, for the Braves. He got emotional and he, he, was, he was tearful on stage when he was saying how his friend, who was a pitcher in the 2017 season, after he got shellacked by the Astros, he was let go by the team. You have to think about that. And then I, just to circle it back right before the break, I think about Joe Girardi, who was let go after that one loss in Game 7 to the Astros. He was fired after bringing a rebuilding Yankees team to within one game in the World Series. He was fired. Okay? So there are more things on the table. Obviously, we could talk about Luis Rojas. We could talk about the Yankees moves. um, But that's the answer to your questions, I I think. Astros cheating scandal. We got a lot of baseball. How about the MLB Hall of Fame induction, everybody? Larry Walker and Derek Cheater getting in. I'll share with you my ballot after the break. 877-337-6666. I'm Danielle McCartan on The Fan. Danielle McCartan. Sports Radio 101.9 FM. And Sports Radio 66. WFAN. Hello again, everybody. I'm Danielle McCartan here at 3.05 in the morning. Coming to you from Lower Manhattan in New York City. Big week in New York sports for baseball, let's say. With the Mets hiring their new manager in Luis Rojas. With Derek Jeter being inducted into the Hall of Fame. And of course, with football, you got Eli Manning announcing his retirement. And on the way in before, I was just saying in in the top of last hour that Eli Manning is being honored by the Empire State Building. He's getting the the total honor. I drove by it. It's red, white, and blue. And I believe, I mean, I was sitting at uh, far away at, at a red light, but I believe there's something scrolling on it. I think it's a one and a zero scrolling on it, which I think is pretty cool. So big week for New York sports here. By the way, the Super Bowl is coming up next week, a week from today. I'll see you guys a week from today. I'm on from three to six next week on Super Bowl Sunday. But we'll take the Derek Jeter because I got some Yankees calls and Jeter calls on hold. You guys know the number, 877-337-6666. And, you know, Derek Jeter, number two, the class of 2020, all 20 season with the New York Yankees, was not unanimous, everybody. I first thought, I'm like, that guy definitely wants the attention. And guess what? We might never know who that person is. So, Yankees fans, I need you to take solace in the fact that Derek Jeter got the highest vote percentage for a position player. I mean... He was inducted after, obviously, closer Mariano Rivera was officially named the best closer of all time last year with a unanimous vote, right? You saw the T-shirts with the Mo in capital letters and unanimous. Jeter's reaction was he was speechless. He was pretty nervous. And I just love that he still calls Joe Torre Mr. T. So this unanimous thing, at first, I was taken aback, too. How could somebody who said yes to Brad Penny say no to Derek Jeter? Because that means that someone who had 10 votes did not think that Derek Jeter is one of the 10 best players on the ballot this season? What a world. I mean, that can't be true, right? 
someone, when I was watching on the MLB network the other night, and I forget who it was, but one of the guys on there said this alternative way of thinking that kind of resonated with me. He said that maybe that voter obviously knew Derek Jeter was getting in, so used his or her vote on someone that they thought might have been in danger of falling off the ballot. I mean, I think that's a valid point. And in my opinion, after the initial shock value wore off, the surprise value wore off, I could see why he was not unanimous. Let's head back to the phones. Tony and Ridgewood, you're on the fan. Thanks for hanging on. Sweet Daniel McCartin, broadcasting her overnight show. Wow. The all lit up with callers, sets her heart aglow. Wow. She bears an Irish name and sports a healthy tan. She's destined for a great career on WFAN. Um, let's get to Jeter now. I started <laughs> Tony, today. I, wait, Tony, I, we just got new jingles this week. I don't know if you heard it. I think, Pat, did you record that? That could be my new jingle. <laughs> I didn't record that, but I will certainly go back and save that for you because that was something well, else. Well, I was a little shaky there, but uh, <clears throat> I'll call back another time and do that again for you. But anyway, get, my day started with Richard Neer. Now, Richard's a Met fan, and he's starting. he starts his uh, monologue with kind of getting on Derek, saying, uh, you know, he was a little too tall to play shortstop. He didn't have range. He refused to go to third base and let A-Rod play shortstop. Mm-hmm. I mean, these Met fans. Oh, mm-hmm. my God. <laughs> my dad says the same thing, and he's a Met fan. The same mm-hmm. arguments, yes. Yeah, one, one last thing. There was a theory on the voting that perhaps it came from uh, somebody in Florida that didn't appreciate what Derek did with the team when he cut up the Marlins, you could know. Be. Sending Stanton to the Yankees, one of his first orders of business. I mean, it could be. I don't know if we're ever going to know. That's the thing, Tony. Do, do you want to know who it was? No, no, it doesn't matter at all. It's, it doesn't matter at all. All right, keep up the good work. Well, thanks. I appreciate it. Right. Um, I think, and he brought up a point that, People always point to Derek Jeter's defense for the reason why he wasn't a unanimous Hall of Famer. But I looked. He's won five gold gloves throughout the years. And I'm like, all right, five gold gloves, 20 years. Let me let me see how that has stacked up against all the other shortstops, especially those are the ones in the Hall of Fame. Derek Jeter, with his five gold gloves, is tied for fifth all-time shortstops. With Dave Concepcion, I think is how you pronounce it. Ozzie Smith leads all shortstops with 13 gold gloves. That's that's incredible. And then when you think of offensively, of all time, Derek Jeter is top 10 in hits, 6th. At-bats, 7th. Runs, ninth. And when you look at the names ahead of him on those lists, you see names like Cal Ripken, Ty Cobb, Hank Aaron, Carl Jastrzemski, Willie Mays, and yeah, even Pete Rose. Tony in Providence, you're on the fan. Hey, morning, Dean. How are you doing, Daniel? You do a great job, by the way. Well, thank uh, you. And uh, what, what, what week it was, Gita getting in the Hall of Fame, and him and the guy voting no. Uh, the reminder, I guess, but the bottom line is he is well-deserved. You said it. His defense his, and his RBIs and on-base percentage, I think, was very hot. Mm-hmm. And um, what were you gonna say? No, I was just gonna say that he, you know, he he's also Captain Clutch, Mister November. I mean, can't get any more clutch than Derek Jeter. Right. 
touch with winning the squad. And like I said, uh, and everyone talks about my friends always talk about him going in the stands. And mm-hmm. uh, that was great. I mean, famous play. But yes, and uh, hopefully they'll be uh, honoring Yankee Stadium down the road. That'll be fun to see. And uh, he always comes back and uh, should be good. And Eli, obviously a great career. Um, it was a big story this week, Eli. Um, class guy, and um, I guess he got to retire number 10. Um, and that's a high honor. And he played great, and he won two Super Bowls. And I think he will be. He definitely will be in the Hall of Fame because of the two Super Bowls, Daniel. And the two Super Bowl MVPs, Tony, and thanks for the call. Um, and it just blows my mind how people think that Eli Manning is not a Hall of Famer. That just, like, blows my mind, you know? That's why there's a five-year, you know, wait period before a vote is even cast for a, for any particular player. I mean, Eli Manning has had terrible seasons with the Giants over the past, what was it, six out of seven have been actually terrible? But he also didn't wasn't playing with a defense. Why should Eli Manning be punished for Jerry Reese's ineptitude, his, his um, what's that word? Inability to draft offensive linemen. I mean, that offensive line had not been addressed in the draft for I think it was like something like ten years or so. I mean, what? He didn't draft in the defense. They they don't have a defense still. And why should Eli Manning bear the brunt of that? In terms of you point to his record. Oh, he's only a five hundred quarterback. Oh yeah. Well, what if he had a defense? I mean, the one year I ran the numbers, it was like if the Giants had even the same defense as the Bears, who barely made the playoffs, this was like two years ago, the Giants would be in the playoffs as well. You could put up a million points a game, but if you're if the other team puts up a million and one points, you lose. And unfortunately, that's what Eli Manning has, has been dealing with over the past couple years. And it's just not fair to use that argument. I'm sorry, it's just not. And when you look at Derek Jeter, you know, five gold gloves, his uh, his offensive top ten in, in those categories. You look at his resume, five World Series rings, one World Series MVP, five-time Silver Slugger, and out of his 20 seasons, 14 of them saw him playing in the All-Star game. I mean, come on. Louie and Beth Page, you're on the fan. Hey, Danielle, thank you for taking my call. I really appreciate it. What's up? I'm a worker, and I'm listening to you, and I I never heard you before, and I must say you're very knowledgeable, but your voice, you're very easy on the ear, and I love it, and I just want to give you a compliment. It's easy to talk about the Yankees, Houston, this and that, but I'm taken by your voice, and I'm not flirting. I'm not apologizing. I'm just saying you belong on this late-night show. Fantastic at all. Thank you for doing the service. Well, Louie, thanks for tuning in. I mean, you're gonna um, you're gonna see me uh, next week. This time from three to six next week. You know, it's funny. I've been getting tweets saying I have I have a great voice for the overnight. I have been getting those tweets. It's calm. I'm not, I'm not a calm person. I'm really not. Just anybody can tell you driving a car with me. It's like road rage one on one. I mean, it's like those. Have you ever seen those um, Anthony Rodia comedy? I don't know the guy. I'm not. I'm not posturing for him at all. But I, they're hilarious. He has something called Road Rage Wednesdays, and you could. I mean, I identify with that. You know, on every level, Road Rage Wednesdays, and um, there's there's curse words in it, so you can't pull those up, Pat. But if you know, if you guys are listening at home on the commercial that's about to come up in a few minutes, Google that Anthony Rodia. I don't know him. 
but he's hilarious and that and that's my little thing but uh, well, I appreciate that and that you like my voice for the overnight I, I like it Rich and Yonkers you're on the fan yeah good morning Danielle what's Thanks up for my call. Um, you know the past few weeks listening to uh, all the talk about the ramifications that came as a result of the Houston Astro debacle mm-hmm. uh, careers that were affected etc mm-hmm. there's a name I haven't heard mentioned uh, yet uh, other than just a little while ago but not in this vein is Pete Rose I mean he's a guy that didn't do anything to affect anyone's personal career and he's banned for baseball from life, right. and yet you have these other guys kind of, you know, I won't say walking away scot-free, but mm-hmm. as you mentioned before, these players that are kind of uh, putting their noses up at what happened, and even the coaches can come back to baseball. Yeah. It's just kind of a, a hypocrisy, you know. I never heard Pete, Pete's name mentioned yet with what happened to him. Right, and Rich, I'm going to let you listen to, to the answer here, and, and this is something that I had talked about last week that, in my opinion, those players and those managers, I think they should get lifetime bans. I mean, I think the MLB should dig a little bit deeper and see the exact involvement of who did what, and they should have lifetime bans, just like Pete Rose gambling on a game. Pete Rose affected the integrity of the game. Therefore, he's banned for life. He was one guy who made, you know, a bet or two on a game, and he's banned. And then you got the Astros who are, like, widespread cheating. People have lost their jobs because of, of, after playing them and losing to their systemic cheating. I think that, I mean, I see the world in black and white. There's not a lot of gray in my world, and anybody that actually knows me knows that. If you're going to affect the integrity of the game, if... Every time now, now every time there's going to be uh, some pivotal, pivotal take in a game. I mean, you just saw. I told you before that that the strikeout percentage uh, in their postseason in 2017 it was like eight or nine percent difference. That's huge. So the next time you see a team take a pivotal strike, next time you see a team smash one to oblivion as if you knew it was coming, and and. It was either Carlos Correa or George Springer that I saw. I mean, unloaded on a fastball. And it, it like, um, I mean, it wasn't even close to the fence. It was way over. That's what the Astros have done. They have put that little little question of doubt in every single baseball's fan, play, uh, baseball fan's mind. Like, oh, did they know it was coming? No way. I mean, that's going to be a conversation now forever. And that's that's the shame. That's ruining the integrity of the game at every level. Now you're going to see you're going to see it. You're going to see high school kids doing it, collegiate athletes doing it. You're going to see even rec kids do it cuz you know what? The kids are watching. And the kids are taking it all in. And that's a shame. And I think the players got off way too lightly to just be able to go about their business. I don't agree with that. And I also don't agree with the fact that the manager and the GM, and we'll see what comes up with Alex Cora, they're allowed to manage again. Fired for now. I just don't agree with that. We'll talk more about this Derek Jeter unanimous thing, and we'll figure out who Luis Rojas is. 
after the break. I'm Daniel McCartan on The Fan, and he's Marco Belletti. The NFL's best meet today in the annual Pro Bowl with our coverage underway at 2.30, and we'll take you right up until Nets Knicks basketball at 5.50, exclusively on your flagship station for NFL football and Brooklyn Nets basketball. The Fan, Sports Radio 1019 FM and Sports Radio 66, WFAN and WFAN-FM, New York. And welcome back to McCartan After Midnight here on WFAN. And we'll take it right with the Mets. I mean, it's been a big week for the Mets. They've hired their Brody Van Wagenen has hired his third manager in 454 days, all of which have zero managerial experience. Um, And like I said, with the Wilpons track record and Brody Van Wagenen's real inexperience still as GM, I said it in the fall. I, I angled for Joe Girardi. The Mets. I thought the Mets needed someone with Major League Baseball experience then, and I still thought so now. And I did not think so. that When they hired Carlos Beltran, I mean, I was like, oh, man, here we go. They're going to break in another new manager. And then here they go. They hired Luis Rojas now. Here they go. They have to break in another new manager. But, like, why didn't they hire him the first time if he's so great? Because it's the best that the Mets could do with 26 days until pitchers and catchers when, when, when they hired him or, or when they had to let Beltran go. And we talked about it last week. I don't think the Mets could afford in more ways than one to bring someone in that was unfamiliar with the team. Rojas is familiarity to those players. And I dislike hearing people talk about how they didn't know who he is until he was hired. They clearly don't listen to my show. In October, I went back. October 27th, I called him the front runner for the job. The Mets went with Beltran instead. Last week, I said the Mets would pick him if they didn't pick a tried-and-true former MLB manager in Showalter, Baker, Collins, take your pick. Three days later, they hired Rojas. And Rojas signed a two-year deal with team options to become the Mets' 23rd man- manager. And I am counting Carlos Beltran in that. That counts the cheating Beltran. He should not be just wiped. He needs to be put on there, on that list. And then you're, I'm sure you've heard it's nauseating. Everybody seems to say, oh, well, he's the son of Felipe Alou. Uh, you know, he's the brother of former Mets outfielder Moises Alou. We get it. We get it. Brody Van Wagenen was made sh- sure to point out, though, that this was a popular pick among the players. We had a number of players reach out to us proactively. To say, this is our guy. That's what he said. So what have the Mets player reactions been? Well, Syndergaard, I think, called him the most jacked manager in all of the league. Nothing from DeGrom the last I saw. But then Pete Alonso, we'll get to your calls after this, 877-337-6666. Pete Alonso says, loved having Luis in 17 and 18 as my double-A manager. It's awesome playing under him and having him on his staff last year as well. Super pumped to have him as the jefe, the boss. He spelled it wrong, though. That's what made me pause there. Also, he throws some damn good BP. Hashtag LFGM. Marcus Stroman, who seems to have an opinion about everything, every single thing, says, Luis Rojas, in capital letters, love, love, love it. Love being around him on the bench last year. Always teaching and full of knowledge. Super laid back and brings nothing but great vibes to each and every day. 
beyond even keel, excited for more, excited even more, sorry, for the year. Well, even keel seemed to work for Eli Manning, so we'll see what happens with uh, Luis Rojas. Ralph and Bradley Beach, you are on the fan. Coach Ralph, yeah, girls coach for like 40 years, and the stuff you were talking about, Danielle, before was right on the money. Which part? I don't the justification what happened to, you know, in the in the Astro thing, and that I don't think it's enough punishment for right. what's mm-hmm. going on. And I just think Rojas is going to be a great choice because Beltran wasn't my man at all. I wanted somebody with some experience, mm-hmm. and you have put everything on the money. It's the first time you call, and then it's great to have. I just think Rojas. I just can't. The bench coach is going to be super important. But I want to catch you that can develop these pitches. I don't need this home this homer power guy. You have pitching staff. Have a catcher that can catch. Yeah. We lose a lot of runs. I mean, what good is that? And Mr. Van, you know, I think he's making some big mistakes. And you have invigorated me, you know, up in the morning about everything right on the mark. Well, I appreciate you picking up the phone, Ralph. I, I really do. Um you know, the problem with the catchers is that although Wilson Ramos doesn't have the best um, fielding percentage for catchers, right, he is, is I want to say, the best or one of the best, at least top three, five, top three, top five hitting catchers in the league. And the Mets are at a point where they can't afford to take his bat out of the lineup. That's the thing. So Syndergaard and all these guys – you're going to have to learn to work with him, Ramos. Because, like I said, his bat, you just can't take out. You just can't. I'm just trying to look up as I talk here. Um, pass balls, Ramos is tied for fourth in baseball last year with 10 pass balls. That's a lot. That's a lot. Just trying to find his batting average here, too, though. And I know batting average is, is a whole different thing. Um, people don't really look at that anymore. I actually look at on-base percentage is what I look at. Um, trying to find it. Can't find it right as I talk. But uh, let's go back to the calls. Tony in Pearl River. You're on the fan, Tony. Hey, good morning. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. I just wanted to talk about the Astro Cheese scandal. I, I agree yeah. with you. I just I think it's ridiculous that there's no accountability for these players as if they're just getting carte blanche to just do a very extensive and well-thought-out plan mm-hmm. to cheat for years, and they're just going to walk away with a clean slate. And I, I know it's a strong union with the MLB, and I, but when guys knowingly take steroids, they're held accountable. I think that many players even came out, even Alex Wood, the pitcher, came out and said, I'd yeah. rather have a guy on steroids in a box than a guy who knows exactly what pitch is coming. Yeah, we talked about so, that last week. Me too. Yeah, and I, I just think that, you know, I, the drumming thing bothered me, but the buzzer really put me over the edge. I I know maybe they, like I said, it's a good union. Maybe they have to say going forward they're going to suspend players for any action that they do such as this. But if Altuve's wearing a buzzer and they're going that far, I think that's worse than gamble on the game. I mean, I, I would have no problem banning someone like that for life if you're going to totally destroy the integrity of the game. And it just took away from that whole run. Uh, from like the Yankees that year when they were young coming up and, and it was a good story. I mean, I'm a Yankee fan, so I'm a little bit biased to this whole thing, but 
at the same time, I mean, any team doing this, I think, deserves the maximum punishment. Well, and then Joe Girardi lost his job days later. I mean, come on. Yeah. No, that, I, exactly. That bothers he, me. Yeah, and, and, yeah, and, and he loses his job, uh, and, and they just go to win a championship, and they do it again, and now what? They, all the players are fine. Hinch is gone. Cora lost his job. I mean, Beltran, he's the only player that, speaking of players not being held accountable, I think it's ridiculous. Beltran's the only guy mentioned in this, and he loses his job. Well, what about any of the other players? Yeah. Why are they singling out one guy? Well, Doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, and I think Tony, thanks for the call. I, I think that they're 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 um, singling out just the one guy because Carlos. I think see MLB came out with this, and then they kind of put it into. They said, okay, well, here's what we're gonna do. You know, you got here here teams. It's like a the United States giving power to then the states. Like, here's what we think, but it's up to you guys. I think it was like that. MLB was like, listen, here's what we think, and now we're gonna leave it up to you guys. And you saw that. The, the MLB has suspended the manager and the GM of the Astros for one year. The Astros themselves fired them. The Red Sox themselves fired their manager. The Mets themselves fired their manager. And I think that was done on purpose. Um, I think Carlos Beltran was probably, along with Alex Cora, the I would call him the number one player liaison, having been there for so long, et cetera, et cetera. Cora was on the bench. He was the bench coach. I get that. I think he was – I think it, they worked in tandem. I think that's part of the reason why he was um, mentioned. And I think his name might have might have come up in maybe all or most of, what was it, 75 interviews. But I think MLB put his name in there on purpose to say to the Mets, okay, you know what? Here goes. Your call. What are you going to do? after two teams fired their managers, what are you guys going to do? And I believe the Mets did the right thing in firing Carlos Beltran because you don't want to bring that attention to your team. You Do you want, as a Mets fan, do you want in every city that the Mets go to have Jacob deGrom questioned about cheating, about his manager, about if they have a system? Do you want... Pete Alonso, after he hits a game-winning home run to be questioned whether or not he knew the pitch was coming. The reigning home run king from last year, he hits the most home runs. You don't think there's going to be questions directed directly at him? Hey, Pete, uh, did, did you know the that slider was coming? You have Carlos Beltran as your manager. I mean, you don't want that. As a Mets fan, you don't want that. As a New York fan, you don't want that. And by the way, I looked, I finally found it. Wilson Ramos hit 288, which is higher than JT Realmuto and Yasmani Grandal, by the way. And those were, you know, the guys, right? Those were the guys. And he has the second highest on base percentage. So, like I said before, you can't afford to take his bat out of the lineup. And hopefully. He, along with Gary Sanchez, are going to the same defensive coach. I, Gary Sanchez, I don't know if you guys saw it early in the week, at Coach McCartan, I tweeted it. Gary Sanchez put up pictures of him, uh, you know, his swing at different po- points of the swing. And he said something along the lines of, like, working on my swing for the season. And I quote tweeted it, and I said, oh, yeah, show me, show me you working on picking up balls in the dirt. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. I think, I think 
myself, I think I'm very funny. You guys might not think so, but I think I'm very funny. And he didn't answer me, by the way, and he did not put up any pictures of him working on ground balls in the dirt. And when you look at catching, fielding stats, I mean, Sanchez, by the way, his defense, oy, atrocious. It's bad. Think, imagine if you're Zach Britton. I've said this on here. Imagine if you're Zach Britton and you know you've got a nasty curveball that's going to take a dive with a runner on second or third. Are you really going to throw that? Are, are you really going to throw that pitch and have any confidence in it? I wouldn't. I know I wouldn't. With, with Gary Sanchez behind the plate. And, you know, you used to say, like, oh, Gary Sanchez, he's he's good. He's a great hitter. He makes up for it, blah, blah. But, man, I just can't shake the bases loaded strikeout this year in the playoffs in Houston. I just can't shake it. I mean, come on, man. So I think the Mets and the Yankees have, have to be desired at the catcher's position this season although not the worst in the league. I don't know. I don't know. Gone are the days of Mike Piazza. Let's just put it that way. And, you know, Evan Roberts does a MLB a Hall of Fame ballot here at the fan. I got asked to do it this year for the first time ever, and I did it. So I'd like to reveal to you guys uh, my philosophy in voting and my votes. As you know, Larry Walker and Derek Jeter were the two inductees for this season. In real life. And they were, by the way, spoiler alert, they were both on my ballot. So more after the break. If you're on hold, hang there. I will get to you. 877-337-6666. I'm Danielle McCartan on The Fan. Hey, Nets fans, get ready for a special Brooklyn Nets box office blitz. Be listening hourly from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. tomorrow to win tickets to see the Nets in Detroit Pistons this Wednesday night at the Barclays Center, exclusively on your flagship station for Nets basketball. The Fan, Sports Radio 1019 FM and Sports Radio 66, WFAN and WFAN FM, New York. So I really don't like The weekend, but I really love this song. This is good tempo for 3.43 in the morning here on WFN Radio. Wake up, everybody. I'm Danielle McCartan. McCartan after midnight. We have a lot to talk about. Let's start with Luis Rojas. The Mets have signed a manager. Well, the second one this season, the second one in, what, two months or so? Luis Rojas had his press conference on Friday. I took away some pros and cons for you guys, as I always do. Couple pros, couple cons. And get to your calls, 877-337-6666. You know, the first thing that struck me about his press conference was that he answers every text and every phone call. He, he, he said he's gotten so many that he will get back to every single one of them. I do the same. I answer every text, every phone call, every tweet, every email. Pro, um how he was asked how he's going to handle the media. Well, he said he doesn't really know until he faces adversity. And maybe that might be a con for me actually, but he was asked about his managerial style and philosophy. He said, it's according to the players you have in your hands. If you have a team that can run, you run. If you have a team that can play that way, you play that way. It's according to what you have. 
we have a really good roster. We have a really good starting pitching, really good bullpen. We score some runs. Okay, forget that part. But if you have a team that can run, you run. If you have a team that can play that way. So my question is, do do managers not play to their, their strengths of their team? I mean, Phil Sims, I, I say it like every week. Phil Sims once said, not long ago, that they don't game plan to, like, what did he say? I don't want to put words in his mouth, but basically, like, you know, you don't really adapt your strategy in the NFL to who you're playing. Or, or I'm like, wait a second. You're supposed to be, as a coach, extracting the best out of your team and coming up with a game plan that goes against or uh, exposes the weakness of the other team. That's, like, common knowledge, right? So when Rojas gets up there and says that, does that mean it's happening in the MLB too? What I really liked, probably the best part, I think, he said, this is a family. That's a quote. That's how I coach my teams. That's how I want those kids feeling. You know, in season, even at the level I coach at, you spend more time with the players on your team than you do your own family. So it's very important to me, and seemingly Luis Rojas as well, to set up a culture that really um, the kid, the kids in my, for me, kids, for him, MLB players can really flourish. That is how you attain that buzzword culture. And when they say, "Oh, I feel like you know family," sometimes we cheer, you know, break the huddle and say "family." That. That's how you know you did it. He also said, I feel like the luckiest person in the world right now. And if you feel like that, you're going to take total pride in doing what you're you're set out to do. Because you came up through the organization, literally. And it doesn't hurt that his son is the biggest Mets fan in the world, he said. So he's going to do the best he can. We know that. The cons for Luis Rojas, well... The jump from a quality control to manager. Although it seems like a collaborative effort, though. I'm curious to see how much of a collaborative effort it is. On how, here's another con I had, on how he's going to handle criticism. He said there's always going to be challenges. You don't know a manager who hasn't been criticized, which is true. There's something that's going to come up. But then he said this, I'm always going to agree with the point of, Point of view of everyone. Hmm? Wait, what? Agree with the point of view of everyone? How about you have an opinion on your own, too? Or of your own, too? That I didn't like. I don't know if that was lost in translation, maybe, but if you were going to agree with everybody, that's not good either. Let's head back, back out to the phones, 877-337-6666. Dominic in Port Washington, you're on the fan. Yeah, how you doing, Danielle? What's up? Um, I, uh, I have a question about the Mets. Mm-hmm. Um, they signed Eduardo Perez. Right. Or um, Eduardo Nunez. Uh, Nunez. Right. Yeah. Uh, is he a pitcher? Mm-mm. Sorry, oh. I'm just taking a sip of water. No, he's not a pitcher. Okay. Is he an outfielder? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Really? I don't know him. You don't know him? You came through the Yankees at the Red Sox? Okay. I really don't know. Uh, is he he's a position player? Yes, he is. Okay. 
So they're thinking, I guess, extra insurance for center field. No, no, no. They're thinking for insurance for third base with him. Oh, third base. Mariz- oh. Mariznick is their, is their uh, insurance for center field. Oh, okay, so he's insurance for Todd Frazier. Todd Frazier's, Jeff- well, Todd Frazier's gone, you know. No, I know. That I know. But Jeff McNeil, I meant to say. Well, he's yeah. Good. Yes, technically. Mm-hmm. And Jed Lowry as well. Is he going to play this year? We don't know. Yeah, he's in the minor league, so you know he might not even make the team. Well, Nunez they signed to a minor league deal. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, he's in, he's in the minor league. So yes, yes. He may not even make the team. Um, what is your opinion on them? Do you think they will get a wild card? Do you think that's in the cards, uh, Mets? Yeah, think I, I think. And Dominic, thanks for the call. I think that the Mets are playing in probably the stiffest division in the entire league, and I think that although they added. Eduardo Nunez, you know, I, although they added him, um, I, I just think that the Mets, they're not, I don't think, and I'd love for them to prove me wrong, honestly, I don't think they're going to win the NL East. So for that sense, they're going to need to get the wild card. And I think that they have the ability to get um, the number one wild card. But it's all contingent, everybody, upon the bullpen. What is Edwin Diaz? What is Dylan Batances? And what is Yuris Familia? Even if two of those guys pan out, just two of them, I think the Mets are in a really good position. And I wouldn't write off the NL East. It's going to be really tough. But I wouldn't write it totally off, especially if two of those three or three of those three guys start clicking on all cylinders. I do think the Mets are making the playoffs this year. Mets are making the postseason. I'll say it here. I'll say it now. They have the starting pitching. They have the fielding. They have the base running. They have the hitting, the timely hitting, not the feast or famine hitting. They're a different hitting team than the Yankees are. They're different. And another good thing about um, Luis Rojas as Brody Van Wagenen said, that he has history with those players. Brody said all of our homegrown players have had some touch point with him in one way or another. And that his authenticity as a coach and his commitment to their success as a player development guy is impactful on young players. And the fact that he's stressed winning, I don't know who wouldn't, but that he's stressed winning at the minor leagues probably has something to do with it. So with that, I say the Mets are making the postseason. It just depends on how the rest of the division shakes out. It's hard to predict now. It's hard to predict. Are there going to be any injuries to the Mets, to the other teams that they're going to compete against on day in and day out? You know, it's it's just hard. The trade, you can't predict it. But the way they're constructed, if the playoffs were tomorrow, I would say the Mets are in them. Mike, in Ramtown? Where's that? That's uh, down the Jersey Shore, uh, about 10 minutes from Point Pleasant. Oh, okay. All right. So you're on yeah. the fan, How right? you doing, Danielle? Good. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. Uh, yeah, just wanted to make a comment and then uh, hear your response. And maybe add one little thing afterwards. But mm-hmm. with uh, with Brody, you know, you had mentioned just a little bit ago, you know, technically his third managerial. Well, not technically his third managerial hire. Mm-hmm. You know, um, one of them obviously didn't coach. Right. Um, but I just, it, it seems like he's always trying to like be the smartest guy in the room, uh, yeah. whether it be like whether it be an obscure managerial hire 
a trade, you know, um, that nobody else was interested in right. where like, oh, I can make this work. I can make this work. And, you know, with the inexperienced managers, nothing against Rojas, but I would have loved to see a guy with experience as well. And it seems like, once again, it's Brody trying to be the smartest guy in the room instead of, like, you know, finding an ally in the room. It seems like exactly what it is. I think you hit the nail on the head there, Mike. Yeah. All right. And just the one point afterwards, um, you had mentioned one of your, uh, you know, pros about uh, Rojas in the press conference, you know, is his, you know, and Alonzo had mentioned it, you know, uh, coaching with instincts, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, you know, maybe going against the analytics once in a while, you Mm -hmm. know, and using your, your feel and your knowledge of the game. My concern is that maybe Brody is going to like totally quell those instincts. You know, like if that's what makes this guy different and maybe possibly good as a younger and experienced, you know, although experienced minor league manager, right. what if Brody and his over analytical side like erases the one thing that this guy, you know, maybe is his best asset because he's from a baseball family and he's a, you know, and he's a lifer, you know, mm-hmm. I don't want the analytics to, you know, take over uh, the instincts, you yeah, know, if just, that's, if that's the coach's best gift. Yeah. I just think, unfortunately, and that's why he was hired. <laughs> That so that Brody can be that guy. Yeah, and I agree with you. And it just it, it's another thing of like you know the puppet master, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, for lack of a better term. But geez, just you know, it'd be so nice to see him, you know, just put the ego in check and uh, and bring somebody on board with some experience. But I just don't see that in the cards for the future. And uh, you know, I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna root for him, you know, till my face turns blue and orange, you know, like it does every year, you know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but. Uh, all right, thank you, Danielle. You do a great show. I've been listening to the station for about 20 years and uh, and used to work in the business, and, uh, and and you do very well. All right, you have a good night. Mike, I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Um, I, I like that. His face turns blue and orange. I, I like that, Mike. That was pretty creative. Um, yeah, I just think that that's the reason why Rojas was hired, so that Brody Van Wagenen can, you know, I referenced last week at my big fat Greek wedding about how the man is the, the head of the household, which is... Um, Luis Rojas is the head of the Mets, yet Brody Van Wagenen can turn that head like the women in the Greek family any which way. That, you know, bugs me a little bit. I mean, if Brody Van Wagenen was tried and true, if he was you know, weathered the storms of, of uh, an MLB career, I think if you're in the Mets, I, I think you you're okay with giving him the leash. Like, I just Jerry Jones just popped into my mind. You know he's running that whole team. But he puts a, a, a pretty good product on the field year in and year out. We, we just don't know about Bernie Van Wagenen. He's a question mark. He's a big question mark. And I was just tweeting with Kevin on the break. You know, they brought Marisnik in to have a re, reunification with Carlos Beltran. What do you think? Do you think Bernie Van Wagenen was trying to get his own little system going? I don't know. And nobody seems to be asking that question. Although I think I would have. I will. You know what I mean? So, yeah. So, Brody Van Wagenen, the smartest guy in the room with a little bit of baseball instinct, you know, still to be seen in 454 days. More Mets, more Yankees. How about some Super Bowl? After the break, I'm Danielle McCartan on The Fan. Danielle McCartan. Sports Radio 101.9 FM and Sports Radio 66 WFAN.
Good morning again, everybody. We have full phone lines, which is always great. Get on the phone, 877-337-6666. I will get to every single one of you guys, like like Luis Rojas, in responding to his text messages and, and every phone call. I also respond to every phone call, every tweet. So at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N, if you want to have a conversation there. We've been doing that on breaks. Um, also, if you're on Facebook only, it's facebook.com slash Coach McCartan as well. I'll talk with you on there. And um, Pat just put together the, the Tony and Ridgewood song. As you guys know, we got uh, we got jingles this week. Well, some people got new jingles. I got mine for the first time, as you just heard. And um, Pat put together Tony and Ridgewood's song. So uh, for, thanks for that. I just tweeted that out if you want to take a listen. Uh, Tony, and we have questions. Tony in Ridgewood, Queens or Ridgewood, New Jersey? Someone asked. I just assumed New Jersey because I'm a Jersey girl, but I don't know. We get all types here, I said, on the overnights. Wouldn't have it any other way. Do we want to hear that again? <laughs> Do we? No. I don't think so. That's why I left it up to you. <laughs> yeah, it was a little long. If it was a little shorter, maybe. I'd say so. So we've had a big week here in New York sports. Eli Manning, the Giants quarterback for 16 seasons, has announced his retirement. Derek Jeter, after 20 seasons with the New York Yankees, has been elected to the Hall of Fame, although not unanimously, which some people have a problem with. I initially had a question. I was surprised. Um, But I wouldn't say that, you know, I don't agree with it. You know, I'm okay with it. And I think the question I asked in the open was, does Derek Jeter care about it? Probably not. So why are we going to argue over it? You know what I mean? And we've also talked some Astros cheating scandal. Dallas Keuchel at White Sox Fest on Friday, was not apologetic, uh, in my opinion, in any way. It was kind of like, yeah, well, let's just get over it. How could you possibly get over that? Let's head right to the phone. Scott and Glencove, thanks for hanging on there, Scott. What's up? I totally agree. Everybody cheats. One team took it to another level. If you go back in history, everybody cheats. Why, when there's nobody on base, does the catcher always wave off the sign? Because everybody's cheating. They took it to another level and got caught. Everybody should just calm down already. You don't think that as a as a fan, you're gonna you're gonna sit there and say like, at your team, did, oh, did they know that was coming? Are you gonna say that? It doesn't matter. Everybody's doing it. Go back in time. Listen to the Bobby Valentine interview when he said they were flicking the lights that he had to figure out how to change the sign. He said they might have had a, They might have been looking at the third base coach. Everybody does it. Everybody's got to give it up. It's all been done. You don't think the Yankees are cheating using Beltran at all to help in any of this? Well, Where it, it hasn't Cora been. It hasn't said, been hey, the it, main reason. Yeah, the but Yankees it ha- that, that has not come out in any sort of report. So as far as I'm concerned, the answer is no. Until <laughs> as of today, January 26th. Everybody cheats. Well, let me ask I you a really question then. So, what's the point? Of, what's the point of signs to begin with? Then, why can't the pitcher just say, "Hey, there's a curveball coming"? I mean, is that where we're going to? Is that would you? Well, is that what you would suggest? But look at when they go back. There was. An I don't want to go back. I'm not going back. Crazy. This is the Rob Manfred the, era. We're not going backwards. He doesn't use signs. We're not he going backwards. Whatever. I'm sorry. Everybody cheats. It's plain and simple. Yeah. Well, you know what? You know what, Scott. It is part of life. When I play Monopoly, I cheat at Monopoly. Don't let me be the banker. But that also is not undermining the entire Major League Baseball, Scott. 
Okay? My stealing a $500 bill and slipping it underneath the board and pulling it out when it's convenient for me only interrupts my little game that I'm playing. It's just a game. Baseball, there are there's billions of dollars invested in the game, both from the player perspective, the fans' perspective, and the league's perspective. If you have something that shocks the league to its core and, and puts doubt in every single person moving forward, that's got to be dealt with. Oh, that's like, oh, well, I cheated on the test uh, because everybody else was cheating on the test. Oh, you probably were the cheater in school, Scott. That was probably you, and you probably justified it because you said everybody else did. Well, I wasn't that kid in school, Scott. I wasn't that kid. I wasn't the cheater when everybody else was cheating. Cheaters never prosper. And what bothers me, now that you know a little bit of my history, is the fact that the players were not penalized at all. MLB didn't do enough to stop it from happening again. That's what's bothersome to me. I tell you, I never cheated on a test. Never once. But I'll cheat at Monopoly. It's just a game. The tests matter. The MLB matters. Monopoly is just a game. And just because everybody's doing it, you, were you Dallas Keuchel in, in, in disguise there, Scott? Because Dallas Keuchel said exactly the same thing. Basically, everyone has done it. Okay, but MLB only implicated you, the Astros, and maybe you, the Red Sox. Am I uh, questioning whether Carlos Beltran did it with the Yankees? Yeah, I am questioning it. That's the point. That's the point I'm trying to make. That the Astros have put doubt in every single baseball fan's minds moving forward and backwards. That's what's bothersome to me about this whole thing. Okay? I don't care what happened in the past. Okay? Steroids were illegal in the beginning, as far as I see. In 1991, it was outlined that steroids are illegal in the game of baseball. You still got Barry Bonds using them and saying, oh, I didn't know. You didn't know. It was in the rules. In black and white. How did you not know? You got caught. Astros, you were so pompous that you got caught. Sorry, but I'm not sorry. Okay? That's how I feel about that. Scott, I'm sorry, but I don't think you're right, buddy. Sorry. Thanks for calling in, though. Dale in North Carolina, you're on the fan. Hey, good morning. What's up? Uh, Two things. Uh, I wanted to talk about the New York Fed batting order, Mm -hmm. but I also wanted to respond to what you were just talking about. Sure. Because I really don't think, you know, know, taking $500 playing Monopoly, you know, it doesn't seem like a big deal, and I know it's not Major League Baseball and people aren't betting on it and all that stuff. It's not a big deal. It's not why, because integrity doesn't matter anymore. Because it's just a, a game. There's it's no money involved. It's just a game. So what am I supposed to tell my kids? You just. I'm not a know, parent. I, I'm not your parent of your kids, man. I don't know what to tell your kids. It's not a big deal. We can just. Are we talking cheat. about monopoly? Or are we talking about cheating in MLB baseball? I'm, I'm confused. No, I'm talking about cheating in general. In life, you have to have higher standards. 
period. You are who you are. If you're a cheater, you're a cheater. No, I disagree if with that. If I'm gonna if I'm gonna pull five hundred dollars out of the bank in Monopoly, I've never cheated on a test. I've never cheated on anything ever in my entire life. Sorry, that's where I'm gonna disagree with you, based on my personal experience. <laughs> All right, well then, you know, every day our standards get lower and lower and lower. And well, maybe yours, you know, but not mine. It's but maybe yours, not mine. Slope. Okay. Let's talk about the New York Mets batting order. Mm. Oh, sure. Let's talk about the New York Mets batting order. All right. How are you feeling about that? I mean, what I'm feeling right now is we have, uh, I think Neil has to lead off. We have Alonzo second. Cano. I'm assuming that... Um, uh, Oh, what's his name? Mm. What's his name? The guy who's coming back. Mm. I'll let you figure it out. Okay. Dale, took too long. The answer was UNS Cespedes. <laughs> that's the guy that's coming back. That's the guy that's coming back there, Dale. In terms of batting, um, I would put Brendan Nimmo, one. Just about his propensity to draw a walk, to see a ton of pitches. I'd put McNeil second for his ability to get on base, possibly move a runner. I like uh, I like Alonzo. I like Conforto in the three slot. I like Alonzo in the four slot. I don't know how you wouldn't be able to to slot him fourth after winning the uh, the home run derby. And then it's kind of take your pick after that. Probably a Rosario, I'd have him bat fifth. Cano can't run. <laughs> I'd keep him down as far as possible. Maybe six, seven. Um, and it's just to pick him after that. But I think that's the top of your order. I mean, I didn't write it down, but I would say Nimmo, one. McNeil, two. And so on. As far as Cespedes, the guy hasn't even set, stepped foot on a field. That video he posted did not impress me in the least bit. It wasn't even showing where the balls landed. <laughs> any video of a guy in a batting cage, any video of me in a batting cage, I'd look like a superstar making contact if someone's <laughs> lobbing the ball at me. Until you see where it goes and you measure it, it didn't impress me. So as far as I'm concerned, Cespedes has to work his way back onto this team. And Cespedes, with these injuries that always seem to come up, it's just, you never know what you're going to get. If if that guy plays 10 games this season, that'll be a win for the Mets because he's they're used to having him for zero games. Who knows? Who, know, who knows what Ioannis Cespedes is going to be? I mean, he's got, what, foot surgeries and, and all this stuff. But I remember hit, listening to Kim Jones, and, and if Kim Jones says it, I'm sure she's done the research with it. Ioannis Cespedes, when he's in the lineup, makes the Mets a better team. Sure. But you're looking at the past three seasons with the Mets, he's been on the injured list. And he's playing for a contract year. That's his incentive. The guy's motivated by money. I mean, come on. Yet, he's missed 186 days between March of last year and September. 
70 with a heel injury before that. 66. I mean, the guy's missed 435 days of baseball since 2013. Come on, man. So, by the way, that's that's the guy that's that's coming back, by the way. That's the guy. John in Queens, you're on the fan. Hey, you're great. Thank you're doing you. a great job, Thanks. by the way. Um, I'll tell you something. My theory has been confirmed. These Mets fans, they're unbelievable. The first guy's like, who's this Nunez guy? Is he a pitcher? Is he an outfielder? I, was that a test? Well, I think that might have been a test. I don't know. Oh, no, 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 no. That was not a test. That was that was proof of my theory. Mets fans do not know baseball. They barely know their own team. Oh, no. Me- You're going to set off an explosion here tonight, John. I know. <laughs> it's true, though. My brother-in-law and I have had this debate for years. He said it first. I'm like, yeah, Kenny, you're being too hard on them. And now you got a guy who's like, who's Nunez? Well, genius. He played four years for the Yankees, and he made the last put out in the playoff game against the Yankees in 2018 that eliminated them. I just beat the runner at first base. I'll never forget it because Nunez was never known as a good fielder, mm-hmm. which the Yankees played in the DH a lot. Then you have a guy who sounds like he's drunk, who maybe doesn't know that Monopoly money is like fake pieces of colored paper, <laughs> and doesn't know who his cleanup hitter is. Oh, I know. It's amazing. And they barely know, Danielle, they barely know their own team. They never, I've had conversations at parties and barbecues, whatever. They barely know their own team, let alone the league. They don't know the game. They're the kind of guy, what oh, the Mets, or oh, the Mets, the Mets playing today? They win? Oh, that's good. Oh, they lost? Oh, and that's it. It's like there's no, I'm not, I'm not talking about like the minority, you know, the ones that are really passionate. I'm talking about a lot of them, though. They just have, it's just like a, you know, it's kind of like something that they kind of follow, but there's, there's like, there's so many of them. I've noticed that they barely know their own team. It's very annoying. Anyway, I think Danny, Danny, Danny and Maggie, 10 o'clock. What do you think? Oh, Dan, me, Danny and, and Maggie Gray. Yeah. Wow. Cause I think, uh, her and Melissa, I don't know this. It's like they're getting paid by the word. There's something going on there. They're jumping on each other. I have other. no idea. What, John, what do you think? John, I don't know. I, I'm going to hang up on you real quick because we're up against the break. I, I have no idea. If that's where you want to slot me, that'd be great. <laughs> Maggie Gray, I have a lot of appreciation for Maggie Gray. And also Mark Melusis. But I, I actually, have I met him? Oh, once, outside by the elevator. Maggie, I have, have met a couple times. Um, and let's we're not taking all phone calls about Mets fans all upset here now. <laughs> Mets fans, I know you're a passionate bunch. I know you know your baseball. Except for <laughs> those two callers. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, More calls after the break. I'm Daniel McCartan on The Fan, and he's Marco Belletti. Hey, guys, it's Maggie. Coming up on Monday's show, pitchers and catchers just a few weeks away. So what is the challenge that is staring Luis Rojas in the face? Boos and I will talk about the Mets rookie manager. Plus, with the Super Bowl week now upon us, can the Jets and the Giants take a page from San Francisco and Kansas City's book? We'll discuss it all on the Midday Show, 10 to 2 p.m. on Sports Radio 101.9 FM and Sports Radio 66, WFAN and WFAN FM, New York. This is another good one. Hi, everybody. Again, I'm Danielle McCartan. I just talked to you a few seconds ago. Get on the phone, 877-337-6666. We have opened a can of worms here, or that last caller did, because I see on the board here, Mets fans. Okay, I'm just going to say it one more time. Mets fans. My father is a Mets fan. I love him very much. I love Mets fans very much. I love their passion for their team. They haven't won in a while. I hope that they do. I hope that they do well. You know that I'm a fan of all New York sports or teams. You know that. I've said it on here. You've seen pictures. You know that. 
we are not going to generalize every single Mets fan as ignorant or not knowing what their team is up to. You could say that maybe about a team in a small market league or maybe even a Dodgers fan who just shows up to a game. My favorite are, are, are the women that show up to games in like heels and stuff. Like, like you, you, you don't know what's going on. Come on. As a fan wearing that to a game, you don't know what's going on. So Mets fans, you know what you're talking about, except for those two callers. The one guy didn't know the name of, of the, the player coming back from injury. Didn't know who his cleanup hitter was. I mean, that though, that's what we're talking about. That's what we're talking about. And uh, he called them Nunez with the, the wrong first name. That's what we're talking about. Okay, everybody? Yeah, he said, Pat just said, he said Eduardo Perez. No, it's Eduardo Nunez. And how do you not know that name? He's been in New York before. He's been here before. He played with the Yankees. He's been in our news cycle before. So come on, that's what we're talking about. And obviously it's been a big, been a big week. Hall of Fame induction, Eli Manning press conference, Luis Rojas press conference. Got it all for you. And by the way, there's a Super Bowl being played next week. Let's hit the calls. We have a full bank again, 877-337-6666. John in Hasbro Heights. What's up this week, John? Hey, Coach D, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Great. Great show as always. And, Thank you. and by the way, speaking of a, a, a weekday show, I, I'm all for it every day getting you on. And I've already written a churn off about it. So we're, we're, we're working on it. Oh, you have? Oh, wow. <laughs> I okay. Have. okay. You're uh, on absolutely. it then. I'm probably not the only one. Um, yes. So talking about back to Eli in the retirement, and it, there's just these arguments about the Hall of Fame and, you know, is he going to get in? Should he or not? And it makes for a great debate. And that's that's what it's all about. Have fun debating it. Mm-hmm with the viewpoint. So, you know, everybody has an opinion and a view, but I think he's, he should go in and, and no one yelled at the TV louder than me on his bad interceptions, believe me. Yeah. And, you know, he had his moments, but you got to look at the body of work. You got to look at the accomplishments and you got to look at uh, the durability of, of, you know, never being out due to injury does count here, especially if you're an NFL quarterback with the injury factor, there, different than other sports. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, it matters. He's seventh all time in passing yards. He's seventh all-time in touchdown passes. We are all very caught up on statistics. Mm-hmm. It's not a convenient thing to pull out when you want because of fantasy football. And we, you know, we look at Drew Brees with all his numbers, and you know, it's all, it's it's a lot of numbers there. So that's got to count is where he ranks on those lists. He's had in the postseason. We all know the story, but he's had two out of probably the top ten, and you could argue the top five postseasons of any quarterback. Just look at the numbers, look at the wins. The ma- I'm not going to go through every team and every scenario. We all know them, but look at, you got to look at the magnitude of that. Um, and the only, you know, and I'll point out as the capper, the Patriots, you know, perfect record. No one expected them to win. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the defense is, is really got him over the top, but he made the plays, you know, bottom line, he made the plays. And uh, the last part of that to me is the third part is there's a lot of naysayers with, oh, he got lucky. I heard a caller the other day say, well, if Sante Samuel didn't drop the interception, it wouldn't have happened. Yeah, if. And if, if David Tyree didn't make this unbelievable catch, he wouldn't have won. If. Well, you know what? If things were different, they wouldn't be the same. I mean, you, you, can't, right. you, you can't put that in there. You can't, okay. Uh, Joe Montana had some lucky breaks in his Super Bowl runs. Okay. Terry Bradshaw, Lynn Swan made two of the three of the greatest catches of all time in Super Bowl ten to get them over where Terry Bradshaw wasn't as accurate. You know, nobody's talking about that. How about Tom Brady last year? If D four doesn't go off sides or it lines up in the neutral zone, the interception against Kansas City ended the game. He lost. Yeah. Game was over. And yeah. but the, the but the thing that Brady did and the thing Eli did after the break came, the luck came, 
They got the job done. Brady drove down and scored, tied the game, and then won. Eli got the after Samuel drops the interception, he got it done. He started to make the plays. You know, when he dropped the interception, they didn't hand the Giants the game. And you know, if, walk, walk if, the field. If, if Plaxico Burris doesn't shoot himself in the leg, does Eli Manning have three Super Bowls? Exactly right. And that was the best team they had in yep. that run. Yep. You know, there's no question, right? So, you know, we could talk gifts all day. You can't take away what happened. I mean, I have people, well, if you take away the two Super Bowls, he doesn't have a Hall of Fame career. Yeah, mean, some, yeah, someone he, tweeted he, me that. Some, he, <laughs> someone tweeted me that like Monday, like, oh, if you take away 2007 and 2011. <laughs> Well, I'm sorry, but you can't. You you can't just erase that from from history. I'm sorry. Right. If we took if we took out all the years Babe Ruth hit more than 50 home runs, you wouldn't be that good. Right. right. Yeah. We, you know. Right. Um, yeah. And as far as G, so I think that's where I'm coming from on Eli. And I know they'll debate it. And he may not get on the first ballot. And if he doesn't, I guess I see that. But he's getting in, and he should. If you look at the whole thing, especially you know, Namath's in there with an under 500 record and more interceptions than uh, touchdowns. I mean, right. we got and there's a few other guys. I mm-hmm. mean. He absolutely belongs in there for that reason. And the, on, on Jeter's Hall of Fame ballot, just switching a little bit, uh, you know, I don't, it doesn't, it's weird that somebody wouldn't vote him in. It's hard to believe, you know, one, but I don't get caught up in it. He's not worried about it because mm-hmm. he said that and mm-hmm. he's, he's great with it and he's in and that's the main thing. And, you know, I tell people when they say this, and I told my son this, um, Joe DiMaggio didn't get in on his first try, believe it or not. <laughs> he got in on his second try, which is uh, how did that happen? And he only got 80-something percent. I think it was 83 or 85 percent. So, I mean, if Joe DiMaggio didn't get in the first try, you know, and it doesn't make it right, I'm just saying, you know, this has happened many times before, and, you know, it's not that big a deal in the long run. Yeah, it's, it's not the end of the world. And John, thanks for the – that's a very good phone call. I appreciate that. Always – I love when you guys bring the intelligence to the phone calls. That is something I, I love, and that was an intelligent phone call. So, John, uh, thanks for that. And I think Eli Manning getting out now is a pretty smart decision because – as you know, everybody, all players have to wait a period of five years before they're deemed eligible to enter that Hall of Fame, which I think obviously is the next goal for Eli, right? So I think Eli's getting out at the absolute right time, presumably ahead of Drew Brees, ahead of Aaron Rodgers, ahead of Tom Brady, and that echelon of quarterback. So if those guys don't retire this year and Eli gets put on a ballot before any of them, I think it only helps his chances to be on that first ballot because the field is going to get quite crowded with a bunch of guys that all play the same position. And to be, I'm sorry, but to be compared against any of them, Breeze, Rodgers, Brady, it's only going to hurt or delay Eli's chances, I think. So getting out ahead of all of them was a very smart decision. And, you know, you don't know, because he said he asked a bunch of other guys about playing in a different uniform. And maybe this was a conversation that, that he had had with his family. I mean, maybe. You know, there's no worrying about it. You get in, and that's it. You get in before the rest of these guys, and then that's it. Who knows? Nobody really knows. Yvonne in Manhattan, you're on the fan. All right. I am, I'm a Mets fan, and I just like to be, just, I'm just going to be straightforward. I cannot stand Brody. I think he's a con man. I, think, I believe they hired Ross because he was inexpensive and he can be controlled. Yeah. Not to say he does, yeah, yeah. not to say he's not a guy that doesn't know what he's doing. I'm sure he does, but I just think there were better options out there. I really would have liked to, to see Dusty Baker or Buck Show Walters because I want to win now. I mean, this just sounds like a situation where by the summer there's going to be an excuse why and how come. You know, I'm sure we'll do okay, but I just don't see us winning 90 games now. 
That's where I'm at. We were just playing with ifs on that last call with John's phone call. If the Mets had hired Joe Girardi, they wouldn't be in this position to begin with. I'm well aware. How's that? But this is my whole issue with Brody. Brody just seems like he's an egomaniac. He just he does things because he's trying to put a spin on it. You know, everything's a spin. Like politician. I'm tired of this guy. I'm just tired of him. I, I mean, I just want to see. You know, he's an agent. Okay, why is he? Why is he my GM? I don't understand. Hey, this guy, I'm sure he knows basics, but he doesn't really know baseball. I don't think he does. And at the end of the day, I just really believe that they could have, they could have done better. The Mets are constantly trying to put a spin and trying to reinvent the wheel. Go with a GM that has experience. Go with a manager who has experience. I want to win now. Yeah, Yvonne, thanks. And that's obviously a Mets fan that knows, is passionate, knows what he's doing. Uh, know what he's talking about. Uh, you know, Brody Van Wagenen, I, I see the thing is, I think – Here's the thing. Uh, I think he knows the game of baseball. I mean, he's played baseball through college. I mean, he played at Stanford University, okay? So he knows the game, right? And he knows the game from an agent's perspective as well. But to take it from a team perspective is very different. Because all the things he, he was saying, I mean, really, all the things he was saying about um, about Luis Rojas and, and his hiring, you know, I'm like, yeah, you know, that makes sense. Yeah, it's pretty good. And like, we talked before about the young staff relating with the players. I've had experience with that. He talked about, um, he also talked, this is with Steve Gelb, SNY, about having experience with the players that are already on the Mets roster. He talked about um, even this. He said, when you're a minor league manager, it's your show and you're responsible for so many things, which is where we felt confident about his leadership. Rojas's leadership as a minor league manager, it all falls on your shoulders. And that was me coaching JV. It was only me making those decisions except for, you know, the head coach when he put me in sort of a bad position. Well, no, he put me in a bad position when he was telling me which lineup decisions to make. But we won't get into that. Van Wagenen also says, we think the leadership qualities he demonstrated in the minor leagues will translate very well to running the games here. So Van Wagenen, he says all the right things. But when it comes down to making deals and pulling his client, right? Cano was one of his clients. Signed him to, you know, that deal that brought Diaz, who's been a bust here. You know, I I don't know if he totally gets it from the team perspective. That's my opinion. I, I you know, I just, there's this dis, this level of distrust between Mets fans and Mets ownership and then there's a level of distrust between Mets fans and their GM. Basically, on the fact that he once was an agent. Working on the other side of the deals. Working on the others. Trying to, to pinch every or, or get every penny they can or that he could from the teams. And now he's trying to save money. It's just, it's just different. You know? It's just different. But when you hear the players and they're all coming out and saying that they like him and Rojas and all that, I you know, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, believe me, I, I've paid my dues. I've worked my way up too um, in the coaching ladder, in the coaching world. And sometimes all you need is a chance. And basically that's how I ended up in this chair. You know you're good at what you do. And all you need is someone to give you a chance. And maybe this is going to be you know, you've heard of Seward's folly in purchasing Alaska. Well, it ended up having a lot of gold in Alaska. So maybe this is Seward's folly. Maybe this is Van Wagenen's folly. 
That's a historical reference. Maybe this is Van Wagenen's folly where he hires Rojas, who's been in the system for for over a decade. What is it, 14 years or so? Working his way all the way up, rung by rung, slowly, slowly. Maybe Rojas is going to be, maybe he's going to lead him to the promised land. This is the only organization that Rojas has ever worked in. And, you know, the players know him. This is this is Van Wagen, and the players know him. The players trust him, and he understands what we're trying to accomplish at spring training this year because he's helped build our program, and that was a big part of it. Yes, when you are part of a rebuild, as I was, you know the ins and outs of the program like the back of your hand. You know the strengths and weaknesses of every person on that roster. You know the strengths and weaknesses of yourself and of your coaching staff. You do. You just do. And to be rewarded, I feel like like this is like a bone. They're throwing him a bone to be rewarded for being a part of that at the minor league level. I wish I would have been thrown that bone to help build the program and how to be put in charge of the program. That's got to be special. And I think Rojas is going to run with that. And this might be Brody Van Wagenen's folly. Who knows? I know we have a full bank of calls. We, I will get to them right after the break. Hang on there, guys. I see you. 877-337-6666. I'm Danielle McCartan on The Fan. After a big weekend of sports, make sure you're listening to Joe Beningo and me, Evan Roberts, tomorrow at 2 p.m. We react to the big Knicks-Nets game. Plus, more importantly, it's Super Bowl week. We start to get you ready for the Kansas City Chiefs against the San Francisco 49ers. It's the afternoon show with Joe Beningo and me, Evan Roberts, on The Fan. Sports Radio 101.9 FM and Sports Radio 66, WFAN and WFAN-FM, New York. My favorite part of this song is when he says, like a great white shark on Shark Week. Hi, everybody. Back. I'm Danielle McCartan here on WFAN Radio, New York City. And New York City, my God, is a baseball town. We are seven days away, one week away from the Super Bowl. And I'm looking at the the call bank here. We've got one, two, three, four Yankees calls. Well, two and a half Yankees calls and two and a half Mets calls. So we are full. Let's start going through them. Um, Obviously, the the big news for the Yankees this week is Derek Jeter will be inducted into the Hall of Fame in uh, in July. And the Mets have named Rojas, Luis Rojas, as their next, was it, 23rd manager of the team. And yes, I'm counting, uh, I was going to say Alex Rodriguez, hello. Uh, yes, I'm counting Carlos Beltran. And some things that I would like to see from Derek Jeter. Okay, so what? He was not a unanimous selection for the Hall of Fame. So what? And are you so angry because it was just one voter? Would it have been easier for you to swallow if it was two voters or three? Really, though, who actually cares? We all watched a Hall of Fame career of a homegrown Yankee from day one to the Hall of Fame. What more can you ask? Most fan bases can't say they've witnessed that. And like I said before, there are four teams that don't even have a player wearing their team's cap on their plaque in Cooperstown. Okay? So clear your plans, or make them if you plan to head up to Cooperstown. Get your popcorn ready, wear your pinstripes, and get ready for Derek Jeter's acceptance speech on July 26th. What are you hoping for in that speech? Here's what I'm hoping for. I'm really asking you. You can call up 877-337-6666. I want to see Derek Jeter's emotion. How long have we been subjected to those dry Derek Jeter interviews where he says a lot but nothing at all? I want to hear... 
behind the scenes stories like Eli having a beer guy in every single stadium so they can drink on the team bus on the way back to the airport or the hotel or whatever. I want to hear Derek Jeter talking about crying every night and calling home every night when he was in the minor leagues. That was in the book, by the way, that he that he uh, co-wrote, I guess, with Jack Curry. And I want him to talk about his teammates, especially the core four. And he can't forget Bernie Williams. I want Derek Jeter to make me laugh. I want Derek Jeter to make me cry in that speech. And I want him to break out of that Derek Jeter mold. I'm hoping that it's different than anything we've seen before. I'm going to set the over-under, though, at only eight minutes. I sure hope it's the over. Hawthorne, New Jersey. Nick, you're on the fan. Hey, Danielle. Thanks for taking my call. Of course, Nick. Doing a great job. I'm a Jersey guy. Appreciate you, a Jersey girl. Yeah, see? You're on the radio. Thanks. So I wanted to, um, first, first I wanted to do a quick point about the uh, Eli Manning and the Giants. I'm a big-time Jeff fan. I cannot stand the New York Giants. But you know what? He's a Hall of Famer. I will admit it. The guy was a class act throughout his career. Mm-hmm. He should be in the Hall of Fame. What agree. are your thoughts on that? Yeah, definitely agree. One hundred, a thousand percent agree for sure. And so my, my Yankee point is, I, I saw a lot of... I'm a little bit of a betting man. I saw the over and under was about 101, 102 for the Yankee wins for the season. And I'm thinking, man, I think, you know, they hit over that last year. And then they added Garrett Cole and, you know, hopefully everybody will be healthy this year. And I'm like wondering, man, could that be an easy, easy, easy wager? Um, the over and under 101, I think I think it's a, it's a, it's a good bet. What I do think, you think? I think it's the over for sure. I mean, the Yankees uh, without Garrett Cole. 100 wins, 103 wins. Now, you do have to factor in the fact that, you know, Del Matances is now gone, but he, he didn't play last year. And and what, yep. is, what is the difference of of uh, Gregorius out of being out of the lineup? So do you you look at Cole and, and Gregorius? I'm going with the over. I'd go with the over. Yeah, and you also have to think about all the injuries with the yep. Yankees, too, as Pat just mentioned. And I, I always want to give you credit, Pat. Um, you have to think about the injuries. And, and Gleyber Torres is going to be – back and, and Judge will be back and, and, and all that. So to beat 103 with it within a division where there's, by the way, the Blue Jays, and I don't think the Red Sox are going to be that good this year, the Tampa Bay Rays in that division are going to be the only ones that give the Yankees a little run for their money. I, I would do the over. Sure. Yeah, that's true. I think the division is a little down. It's it's just a crazy number for me to think about, but you know what? I, I think you're right. I think they're going to they're gonna get a, about 108, 109, probably 110. If, if we really think about it. Well, yeah. thanks, thanks for taking my yeah, call. Yeah, of course, Nick. And thanks for, for calling in there, Jersey guy Nick. I, you know what? I, that's an interesting point. I'm going to maybe make a note to myself to look at, um, basically like a, do like a little numbers look at of, of Cole and the impact of Cole and the amount of wins that he could bring into the team, basically, um, versus someone who was maybe at the back end of the, of their, the Yankees' bullpen because now everybody just shifts back a slot. So I'd have to see what that differential would be and then add that to the 103 that they won last year, the Yankees. Um, but 101 wins for a season, sounds crazy, but I think it's going to be easy for him. I don't know. Axel in Rosedale, you're on the fan this week. How are you? Okay, and the old adage is you, you can't fire the team. What's up there, Danielle? <laughs> and um, before I get to Eli and uh, and the uh, Super Bowl quickly, I just want to make a comment about the ma- uh, manager, the new manager and stuff. Mm-hmm. If you know, now I've been kicked off at talk radio for bringing this up, and if I do get kicked off tonight, it's not a big deal. Oh no! But I brought it up before. Um, if you notice, just Rojas keep it clean. Was, 
keep it clean. <laughs> I'm always clean. I'm always, I'm always clean. I'm calling. But Rojas was signed at 16 years old, folks. Now, if you're in the Yankee, let's say you're in the Yankee minor league system, and you're 16 years old, you have a big advantage over the American kids who are 16 year, year olds in high school. And I've always said you want to increase interest in the American kids in this game of baseball. If you want to bring it even more popular. Sign the American kids at 16, too, and be fair about it. That's the point I've always made. Yeah. Now, quickly on um, Eli and the uh, first thing with Eli and then the Super Bowl, i got to say something. Listen, with, with, with Eli, listen, folks, I, I've never seen anybody's career dissected like this guy. These guys are having – they're talking about passes he, he threw in game three of season 2008. <laughs> I mean, come on. This, I mean, and listen, guys, I also know I've talk, called talk radio for a long time. Half of you guys are Jet fans calling in to pretending to be Giant fans. And you're stirring up, you know what? Now here it goes like this quickly on Eli, and then I'll do uh, the Super Bowl. Um, Montana had to throw, the White Clock had to catch, and I had to call. And the call I made was in, two, in the middle of the 2007 season. Now some of the folks out there listening might even be too young to remember that season. I can tell you, in the middle of the season. Giant fans were calling this station. They wanted Eli out of town, folks. Yeah. They wanted him flipping burgers. And it's not wrong flipping burgers. If you do a good, you're a good chef. They wanted him out of town. And that's when I made the call and I explained to the Giant fan base what you have here. What you have here, and I said it, do you want the San Diego chicken or do you want Cool Hand Luke? Who do you want with the football with two minutes left in the game? And I said respectfully to the Giant fans, I said, Cool Hand Luke, and you have him. And a few months later, they're going down the canyon of heroes with this guy. And that's, you know, I don't want to talk about I don't really get into big into Hall of Fame and MVPs and stuff like that. I mean, I know these guys need that Hall of Fame next to their name for the mashed potato circuit. They make more money. I understand that. But listen, the thing now with the Super Bowl, folks, I mean, I'm watching this, the 49ers offensive line. The 49ers offensive line is blowing the defensive teams, their lines off the line of scrimmage. Yeah. I mean, you're not talking one or two game, plays. Yeah. You're talking they're running off 15, 16 plays. Yep. If this continues, you know what I'm saying? You, you might have a nice 49er team going there. And also on defense, Nicky Bozer, folks, this guy is a flat-out beast. And I really believe you're going to see the best of him on Super Bowl Sunday. And Axel, always thanks for the call. I appreciate that. And, and I agree totally. I know that the Kansas City Chiefs are the, are the they're only one-and-a-half-point favorites. I think the 49ers are going to pull the Super Bowl off. I really do, especially contingent upon that defensive line and Nick Bosa. And this whole dissection of Eli Manning's career, you know, line-by-line, pass-by-pass, that's why there's a five-year wait period before anybody is eligible to make it into the Hall of Fame. Mike in Brooklyn, you're on the fan. Hi, Danielle. What's up, Mike? Good morning. Um, I'm actually a Yankee fan, and I want to defend the Mets fans. Who, you know, I hear some of them that you know, if you, I can't, I can't make an excuse for not knowing what Juan Nunez is, for not knowing the peanut hitter. But I was one time I had a, I, I got the, I was sitting in Yankee Legend, and I heard the person in front of me mention to someone. He's like, "Is Tanaka still on the team?" Oh my god! And not only was that stupid. Tanaka was on the mound at that moment. Oh, my God. Maybe, maybe we oh, could just uh, yeah, generalize to the stupidity of people, the ignorance of just people in general, maybe. I don't know. Every, every time they says it, you know, I have to defend them. You know? 
All right, cool. Mike, thanks for the call. And again, guys, we're not ripping Mets fans. <laughs> we're just saying that if you don't know who your cleanup hitter is and you're calling him Eduardo Perez and you don't know the guy that has been in the news recently for being out so long, I mean, come on. Come on now. That's fine that you don't know that, but don't call up sports radio, please, if you don't know that information. Sorry. That's that's trivial. Stuart in Brooklyn, oh, you're on Danielle, the fan. What's up? Talking to you. Of course, what's up? Uh, Danielle, the, uh, the, the reason is with the Mets, it's the ownership. The ownership is a problem. And then they're going, they're going higher. A general manager who is an agent who mm-hmm. has no experience on the other side. This yep. has been the way they've been doing things all along for a very long time. And I, uh, I used to be a Met fan a long time ago. I was a Yankee fan when I first started rooting for baseball in 1957. 62, I went to the Mets because of Casey Stengel, because mm-hmm. I like Casey Stengel. Right. Then they all the time with the Mets, they uh, kept on going with not getting the best players. And then after 2000, I just said, you know what, enough is enough. You know, you're rooting for a team that doesn't go out trying to put a winner on the field. You know what I mean? Well, good for you because Steve Cohen's coming in. He he is going to be the and night. Steve Cohen's going to make a change, and hopefully there will be better things to come for Mets fans right. because they they deserve better. That's right. The Mets fans deserve better. Than what they've been given, right? Because they and getting to my Eli point, Eli, if not like you said, somebody said, if not for the two Super Bowl runs, would he be a Hall of Famer? I don't know. I didn't see every game. I'm a Giant fan, but I haven't seen every game that he played, and I was very disappointed in McAdoo for taking breaking his streak. Yeah, right. That was not a good thing. See, I could see and, the streak. Uh, I could see if the streak was broken for you know, like a Daniel Jones, but for Geno Smith, uh, I, I would, mean, that, I would that have was... said Davis Webb at the time. Yeah, but Daniel right, Jones right. wasn't there. But I would right. have rather seen Davis Webb yep. going instead of Geno Smith. I think a lot of people would have with the Jets. Yep. And another thing about Derek Jeter, um, I don't know. I don't think we'll see much emotion. Maybe a little bit, but you you know Derek. I mean, I he's going to try and hold it back. I know. And Derek's going to try and hold it back. And so what, he didn't get 100%. Uh, Mariano got 100%, yeah, but how many other players deserved 100%? I'll give you a few. Ken Griffey Jr., mm-hmm. Tom Seaver, mm-hmm. Bob Gibson. Need I go on? No, great list. You're right. I mean, uh, and what about Babe Ruth? Yeah. The yeah. man who saved baseball back yeah. then yeah. didn't get 100%. Yeah, you're right. And Joe Jackson should be in the Hall of Fame. I mean, and Pete Rose, mm-hmm. I know he signed a contract with baseball, but he definitely, the all-time hits leader, leader is not in the Hall of Fame. Well, here, and, the, and Stuart, thanks for the call. Here's where we talk about where integrity enters in to the Hall of Fame. And, you know, Pete Rose, um, you know, I, I still think that he should not be in the Hall of Fame. I mean, he jeopardized, like these Astros players, he jeopardized the integrity of the game. And when you think about you know, my, my philosophy in, in voting for the Hall of Fame, not that I have an actual vote, but in our WFAN vote here, the space in the Hall of Fame is only reserved for the best of the best. You guys know that. Um, then you, get, you have to take into consideration those steroid players 
And yes, there's a difference between steroid players and players that played in the steroid era. Case in point, we just talked about him, Derek Jeter. He was a player during the steroid era, yet he never used steroids as much as we know, as far as we know. So I think those guys, those steroid players, should get their own little wing. Um, And then we'll see how this impacts guys moving forward, namely Carlos Beltran and his quest for the, the Hall of Fame, this Astros cheating scandal. And more on the Mets. More on the Yankees um, and uh, my ballot for the Hall of Fame, my, my unofficial WFAN ballot for Hall of Fame. Let's talk about that. And, uh, of course, the Super Bowl is also on the table. I'm Danielle McCartan on the Fed. Danielle McCartan. Sports Radio 101.9 FM and Sports Radio 66 WFAN. Good morning, everybody. If you're just waking up, it is 5.05 here from lower Manhattan in New York City. I'm Danielle McCartan, and we are heading into our final hour of, we'll call it McCartan in the morning now, uh, here on WFAN. And um, it's been a busy week here in New York sports with the Super Bowl a week from today. We've talked a lot tonight about um, the Astros cheating scandal uh, still and the repercussions of that, the impact on the Hall of Fame. We've talked about Eli Manning and his retirement press conference. Um, we've talked about a lot of different things and, you know, tonight is, and even the Pro Bowl, we've talked a little bit about the Pro Bowl, (laughs) um, but when you think about what's happened this week, it's been a monumental week. It's a changing of the guard in a way. Um, because when you think of like New York sports icons and legends, I mean, you think of Derek Jeter, you think of Eli Manning and my intro, as you know, you, everybody knows, I think by now that. I, I do songs in the introductions, and my Derek Jeter song was obviously the script Hall of Fame, written in the Hall of Fame. So although Derek Jeter might have been nervous, everyone with a brain knew he was getting in. One guy didn't think he was worthy of of getting in. That's amazing to me. Um, but let me ask you, do you think Derek Jeter actually cares if he was unanimous or not? I bet you just talked to your radio or to your phone and you said no. So why then, everyone, are we going to care more than he does about it? Why are we going to argue about it? Derek Jeter is getting in as a first ballot Hall of Famer. We've all watched his career. Everybody in New York has watched his career from the first pitch to the last pitch. And he's going to be the 24th player to enter Major League Baseball's Hall of Fame as a New York Yankee. Guys, let's put this into perspective. There are four whole franchises that don't have a player wearing their cap in his bronze plaque. Don't Google it. It's the Angels, it's the Marlins, the Rays, and the Nationals. Okay, so everybody knew uh, uh, Derek Jeter was getting into the Hall of Fame. He is now voted in, etc. And then, of course, you had the Mets' new manager, that press conference on the same day, just a little bit later, it seemed to me like like a Friday night, Friday news dump to me. Late afternoon press conference on the day that Eli Manning has his a little head scratching. And the song I picked for that was, I thought, kind of funny. I think I, I am hilarious. It was Aaliyah, uh, Try Again. If at first you don't succeed, dust yourself off and try again. Well, that's been Brody Van Wagenen's motto, hasn't it been? In 444. 454 days as GM of the Mets. He's hired three managers. Keep trying again. 
Will Luis Rojas stick? He signed a two-year deal. Um, he's familiar with the players, especially the ones that came up through the minor leagues. He calls it a family. I mean, I, I, there's reasons to like him, and there's reasons not to like him. I mean, that's a huge jump. Quality control to manager of the Mets with, like, three weeks to go until spring training begins. That's a huge jump. But to get, then again, if you're good at what you do and you've been preparing for it for the longest time like he has, I called it before. Brody Van Wagenen's folly. Could be. It potentially could be. When you think of Seward's folly, as I mentioned before, with Alaska, this could be, which had gold, guys. This could be Brody Van Wagenen's folly. I know Mets fans are hoping for that. So we got a full bank of calls. Let's get back to them. 877-337-6666. Mikey Deese Rockaway, you're on the fan. Hey, Danielle. What's up, Mike? Top of the morning. I've been listening to your show for the last two hours. Wow. And, uh, Thanks. It, it, you know, some great, great calls. And yeah, I love the live theater of talk radio. I know I said that. <laughs> yeah. But, but some, you know, some calls is like the theater of the absurd. Yeah. You know? uh, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I'm glad to hear, Danielle. Uh, I can call you coach because you were a ball player and a coach. Um, then your dad's a Mets fan. I'm a longtime Mets fan. My dad was a Brooklyn Dodger fan, rest, mm-hmm. rest in peace. And then a Mets fan. 62, he takes me to the Polo Grounds. That was the first year for the Mets. I was at the 69 series. I was 15 when Cleon made that catch. Even the Pete Rose Bud Harrelson fight, uh, the dust up at second base, uh, 73 World Series. Anybody who jumps ship, and I'm a longtime Jets fan, so you're not a fan. You're a fair weather fan. Mm. And we, I've said for years to friends, expect the unexpected with the Mets and the Jets. Um, let's see what Rojas is going to bring to the table. We don't know. Um, Brody, the GM, you know, Cano, I think was one of the worst trades, as you mentioned, you know, stay in the American league as a DH. He's got no mobility at second, two steps to the left, two steps to the right. Mm -hmm. Um, he can stick the ball. We thought we were getting Diaz. Look what happened to him in the first half, the closer. Oh my Lord. You know, um, Big, oh, there was a call or two, uh, Danielle, I got to mention. Um, he's going to uh, correspond with the uh, GM of the fan. What's his name? The suit, the main suit over there. Mark Chernoff? Mark Chernoff. I think I'll do the same because you deserve to, to be uh, on the air um, because of what you bring to the table, you know? And I'll leave you with this, Danielle. Um, what was going on with the Astros and stealing pitches? That, that was a tsunami. That's going to cause an effect in the college game, in the high school game. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, uh, oh, yeah. And, you know, um, you just don't know what's going to happen. There should not be any electronic devices in the dugout. Um, You know, uh, what else? I'll leave you with this. I missed my assignments on the Animal Kingdom, Danielle. I apologize. Oh, that's okay. That's okay. I know. I I gave you homework last week. It was what? To differentiate between a pig and, and a... And a That's right. Yeah. <laughs> what happens in the animal kingdom? I'm going to Florida in about a month. I'll go to Port St. Lucie, and I'll even ask one of the, you know, uh, one of the uh, parking lot guys. Hey, could you point me in the direction of Cespedes' ranch? Because <laughs> I just want to see what you know, Arabian horses look like and the wild boars. And, and some callers are so curious about what happened with the boar. I mean, really, uh, Danielle, you got de- callers on deck. Always a pleasure. Thanks, Mike, and I hope that you uh, send me a picture of, of the wild boars and uh, and don't fall into any holes. I, you know, I I, I I like your call every week. <laughs> Justin in Floral Park, you're on the fan. 
going on, Danielle? How are you? What's up? Loving the jingles, too, man. You got the Daniel McCartney I know. Going. That's surreal, Great, isn't it? It's pretty cool. Turn off. Definitely listening, then. You might have had... Jingles and everything. <laughs> What's uh, up? The whole Jeter thing, listen, I... He could have got in by one vote. I'd be happy. The guy's a Hall of Famer. That's all that matters. Um, you know, to me, I don't think he's the best shortstop, you know, where Mariano, I think, was the best closer ever. Yeah, so, I, that was unanimous. Story. Yep, for sure. Um, as far as the Yankee number goes, I think you got to take the over on that, the 101. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to get 110. Yeah. As long as they're healthy. That rotation now, you throw Garrett Cole in there, he's, I, I mean, that's giving you at least 15 to 20 wins. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, I honestly don't see how, unless they have more injuries, and the only thing that scares me about the Yankee team this year is actually the outfield. Cause I don't know what you're getting out of Stanton. Guardy's getting up there in age. You don't have Hicks. Um... And that's the thing. And Judge, you know, listen, he's, he gets hurt a lot, too. So that's the one thing that scares me. I don't know if they're ready to bring up the kid. It's that's Who's the that? one thing. Frazier, you mean? Um, the center field that they were talking about, uh, they always bring up in trade talks. The name is eluding me right now. Clint Frazier, that one? No, not Frazier. There's a younger kid that's like a, a pretty fast guy that they're talking about. He's a prospect. Justice Sheffield? No, the outfielder. Uh, the name is eluding me. I don't know why. Ah, that's okay. That's okay. But uh, definitely, I mean, Frazier, too, is still on the team. But there's there's another kid. I forget the guy's name. He's a prospect, young kid, that they, they said is like he's like a guardy type player. Mm. But young. I'm going to look it up, and I'll, uh, I'll tweet it to you. Okay, cool. But, um, you know, that's the one thing that scares me about the Yankees is the outfield. I mean, honestly, because Gardy, I love Gardy. Grinder, gamer, but he's you know he's getting up there in age. I know, and I That's you know I, I wanted. I know I was so so down on, on Gardner too, but you know when I really looked at it, he he was one of the most or the most productive defensive yeah. center fielder all, in all of last year. So I uh, you know what that well, it's hard to find catch up to you because you know it has. I know, I know, I know, and and hopefully that'll wait till about July. <laughs> um, for that to happen, and then Hicks can come in. But and Pat just went in my ear, and he said it's Esteban Florial. That's, That's what it is. That's the guy, Florial. Yep. Yeah, I mean, yep. I don't know what his deal is, but he's another guy that you know they're talking big about. Yeah, I don't know if he's going to make the team. Well, we'll have to wait and see. And, and Justin, thanks for the call. What, what worries me too about these Yankees, and I've said it on here before, is that you know with with the exodus of of Didi Gregorius, you know he's. I think you guys know by now. I, I appreciate the hitters that kind of spray the ball all over the field. That's why I love Jeff McNeil. That's why I loved. Uh, Didi Gregorius still do. This team is too built to be feast or famine to me. Like you can't put if you're Aaron Boone, you can't put Judge back to back with Stanton, back to back with Sanchez. I mean, that could be three home runs or that could be three strikeouts. Really, that's what kind of bothers me about this team, worries me about this team, and the way it's constructed is that. I know you can get all right hand, left hand on it too. Yeah, yeah. There's a there's a hole for left handed batters in that lineup, and with the short porch in right field, you would think that they'd be so left handed happy. But you know they're not. That's just the way it is. What more worrisome to me is the feast or famine attitude that their their hitters seem to want to take. Eric Ronkonkoma, what's up this week, Eric? Hey, Danielle, good morning. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good, good. Listen, uh, okay, good. follow me on this one. It's a little, little weird scenario. Now, <clears throat> from what I understand, there were originally reports that uh, Rojas wasn't ready for a managerial position. Uh, I don't know who reported that, but they were saying that. How recently was that? In, so, in the fall or now? 
Uh, well, I think I think probably in the in the first round of interviews, right. you know, before Beltran got hired, right? I believe that's what they were saying. Sure. So now, wouldn't it be ironic if? Because I mean, all I've been hearing is glowing reports, you know, from the players and everything. Obviously, they know him from the minor leagues and right. everything. And they, you know, so wouldn't it just be ironic if, uh, you know, they, they did really well under him? You know, uh, I mean, we 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 have no idea knowing how Beltran would have done, but I mean, if if they play real well under him and and they do. You know, uh, a positive, you know, record under this guy uh, on there. Wouldn't, doesn't that just make Van Wagenen look silly that they didn't even consider him, you know, yep. managerial material uh, initially? Yep, exactly. And and if I was at that press conference, Eric, I, I would have asked that question. Okay, so basically, I would have asked it in a nicer way. But like him now, why why didn't you pick him the first time around? Right, right. Yeah, that would. I, that's, I, I, that's still I, my question. Yeah, I, I actually said to Pete yesterday. I said uh, I was almost waiting for him to pull a uh, a Belichick and uh, and and resign at the, at the time. Who when they when they introduced him just to see uh, the Rojas <laughs> just just to see the look on Van Wagenen's face when his jaw dropped mm-hmm. on that. I mean, you know, not that it was going to happen, but it was it was kind of curious. So yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, you, you, have a, you have a good rest of the night. Thanks, Daniel. you too, Eric. And there was no way that was going to happen, Eric. Come on, the guy. Um, he he's been preparing for this for his entire life. There's no way that he was going to turn around and say, yeah, no, yeah, no, thanks. No way. No way. And like you said, the players uh, seem to really like him. I like that he's a teacher of the game. Um, and he was on with Joe and Evan on Friday, Rojas, and I was listening and he said, this is a quote from Rojas, he said, I feel ready right now to be the manager. I feel like nothing has changed. That's how good we did in collaboration to get this thing going. And he's inheriting a ready-made team. And, and that is an, an ideal situation to step into. And while he didn't answer, uh, what was Evan, I guess, kept going at him with some roster move questions, he didn't answer any one of them. But And then I, I wrote down a question as I was listening. Is he even the one in charge of making those decisions? I'm going to go with, like, no. I mean, obviously, the in-game bullpen selections, I guess, but... Day-to-day lineups and things like that. It's, in my opinion, it's it's got to be Van Wacken and making that. And it's not fair to Rojas to question his hiring. I mean, but the track record and the continued presence of Van Wagenen and Wilpon just make it difficult. I get it. Um, but again, he's in, inheriting a ready-made team. That's exactly the situation I left where I was a ready-made team, and it's um. It's win now for the Mets. I mean, they have the pitching staff, and, they, and we talked about it. They have, they have all of the aspects of it. It's now, can they just put it together? Can the bullpen salvage even some of those blown saves last year? They'd be in a much better position. More your calls after the break, 877-337-6666. I'm Danielle McCartan on The Fan, and he is Marco Belletti. The NFL's best meet today in the annual Pro Bowl with our coverage underway at 2.30 and we'll take you right up until Nets Knicks basketball at 5.50 exclusively on your flagship station for NFL football and Brooklyn Nets basketball. The Fan, Sports Radio 1019 FM and Sports Radio 66, WFAN and WFAN-FM, New York. And I'm Daniel McCartan, back with you guys here on WFAN Radio on Sunday, January 26th. 
We are seven days away from the biggest Sunday in football. Super Bowl Sunday, of course, is a week from today. We've got the San Francisco 49ers and the Kansas City Chiefs. It's a matchup um, of the two best teams, I think, in each conference. You've got tons of storylines to this game. You've got Garoppolo versus Mahomes, Kittle versus Kelsey, which I love that. Um, you get the speed of Tyree Kill versus the staunch 49ers defense. Um, Patrick Holmes and, and his baseball, his father pitched for the Mets. As you know, that's going to be talked about at nauseum. And you got a point spread where the Kansas City Chiefs are basically, it's a pick em game. This could go anyway. Kansas City Chiefs are just one and a half point favorites as of last night. And, you know, who do, who do I think is going to win this game? I mean, when you look at the rankings, what the, each team has put up in the regular season, I mean, you look at it on paper, you're like, of course the 49ers are going to win. Of course. And I do think that's going to be the case. I mean, when you look at the offense, when you when you look at the defense of the 49ers and the coaching of the 49ers, I just think they have the advantage in, in all three of those facets. I mean, Andy Reid, 11-3 and all in, all time in the playoffs. A win percentage of 458. I mean... In the regular season, he's, he's six. He, it's six eleven is his winning percentage. In the playoffs, it's four fifty eight. Reed ranks eighth on the NFL's all time wins list, but has only reached the Super Bowl once and lost. Only one Super Bowl is the fewest for any coach with at least twenty playoff games. Nobody has coached more playoff games and failed to win multiple Super Bowl championships, let alone one. So, you know, is this the year for Andy Reid? That seems to be the question. But when you look at Kyle Shanahan, he told reporters that the 49ers will be ready to play today. Ready to play today, as in today, today. If, if, the, if the game got pushed up, they'd be ready to play today. That, that's the confidence that I have in this 49er team to win this game. I mean, I didn't, I didn't look up total stats yet. You know, it's still fluid situation, but the preparation seems to be there on, on the part of Kyle Shanahan. If they were asked to suit up a week, week early, he said they'd be ready. It's good enough for me. Vernon in Manhattan, you're on the fan. Hey, Daniel, how you doing? What's up, Vernon? Okay, I got a, a question for you regarding the Super Bowl. Yeah. And if you could try to answer this question, you can even ask your staff for help. And here's the question. We're playing trivia now, what Pat. Is, <laughs> what is strange about Super Bowl One that you will not see in the Super Bowls today? Can you say it again? What is strange about Super Bowl One which you will not see in the Super Bowls today? Was there a halftime show in Super Bowl One? No. You get one more shot, then I'll give you the answer. Wait, there was a halftime show in Super Bowl One? No, 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 that's not the question. That's not the answer I'm looking for. I'll give you another shot. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I have no idea. What's the answer? Okay, the answer is simply this: In Super Bowl One, they had so many empty seats that they had to ask the fans to move to the center to make the Super Bowl One look like it was a sold-out game. Believe it or not, Super Bowl One had empty seats. That's my question for you today, and I hope you enjoyed the answer. 
and have a nice day. Well, that is the magic of TV, isn't it? <laughs> it looked like it was full. Was it televised? That maybe Vernon. I should. What was Super Bowl one televised? Televised? I don't know. But in getting back to the coaching, if I'm gonna bet my money on the 49ers or the Chiefs, I mean, listen to this clip of Kyle Shanahan. There's a little crowd noise in it, but this is a clip of Kyle Shanahan telling a referee what was going to happen. He was calling a penalty, predicting a penalty before it even happened. That is a guy that is in tune with what's going on. Pat, hit it. Five-yard out route, 85 versus their guy. He's going to go inside and break out. He won't let him out. Watch. Green Bay broke up the shutout. See that? But San Francisco Kyle Shanahan called that penalty. Sure enough. Sure enough, there was exactly what happened. He predicted what was going to happen before it happened. That is a coach that I want coaching my team. And sure enough, the ref nonchalantly picked the flag out of his pocket and threw it. I mean, come on. Come on. I hope Adam Guru is taking notes at home. Seriously. That's the kind of guy I want in charge of my team. And they say offense wins games and defense wins championships. But how about that defensive line for the 49ers? How about Richard Sherman being targeted 15 times on deep passes this year? And Devontae Adams' catch is the only one he's given up this entire season. I mean, this is just next-level defense. Put together by the GM, John Lynch, a defensive guy himself. Mike in Rigo Park, you're on the fan. Yeah, uh, good morning. What's up? Uh, I really enjoy your show. Well, one of the things I have to question is, uh, you know, I, I know the gentleman called in earlier about uh, the, the Mets, and he's a he's a fan down at Fort St. Lucie, and he's a New Yorker as well. Mm. But he, you know, I, I'm a little, I guess, frustrated sometimes when I hear the concept of Mets and loyalty, you know, to the organization, and not the question. This is an organization that has gone out of their way, you know, to to really portray incompetence for many years. You know, when I look at the, the, the definition of the word fan in, in, uh, uh, in uh, Webster Dictionary, it says to admire. And, and one would have to question over, you know, looking at the Mets organization for a long period of time, really what is there to admire about the ownership and, and the management and the leadership, you know, especially when they knew they had an a very inexperienced GM. Right. They, they had the opportunity to surround him with one of the game's best managers in in uh, in uh, Girardi, mm-hmm. and then they got a second chance to uh, to hire a person to surround him with experience, and they passed on Show Walter. And it, you know, let's let's be very clear: the Mets always go for the cheap way out, whether it's a player, whether it's a manager. You know, they don't want to pay. And yet they want to portray themselves that they are a big market team. They are, you know, they 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 operate, you know, with short pockets, you know, or deep short pockets, and they they, they don't spend any money. Let's let, let's call it like it is. They're mm-hmm. they're not a first rate organization. Well, I think a lot of that has to come down to that that Ponzi scheme. I mean. They lost a lot of money in that. I mean, there's, they can't print anymore. I'm not sticking up for them because I, I think you're 100% on the ball here. And I think as a fan, Mets fans have uh, accustomed themselves to rooting for the players to do well in spite of all that. It's like the, 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 the underdog story. Am I right? Am I right? 
Well, let, let, you know, that, that's gotten old. And, you know, to, to say that you have to be loyal to something, let me just put it this way. If you were to pick a brand car and drive it for, let's just say, two, two leases, mm-hmm. okay, two, three-year periods, and it turned out to be a dog with fleas, would you go back and lease that car a, a, a third time? The answer is no, okay? It's time that, you know, Mets fans have to show their leadership that they've, they've, they've had enough. Okay, they've had enough. Brody, ben, Brody, Brody, Brody is nothing but a salesperson. He hired a guy that would spin it the right way for him. But he, but you had the opportunity to go out and hire Heim Bloom, who showed what what he could do in Tampa with with without a, without a roster. Right. Blame that right there on on the Oni. He made the wrong pick. He did it in one year. He showed that he made the wrong pick. And what did Brody do? Let us down a disaster. Yeah, and Micah, and I think that's that's the sentiment among many Mets fans, maybe most Mets fans. But the light at the end of the tunnel is, is almost here. That guy, Cohen, you know, he seems like a smart businessman from all things that I've read about him. You'd have to think that Brody Van Wagen is on the hot seat, considering that there's going to be an ownership change. And I know they say within five years. But, I mean, I think, I, I just think that if you're investing hundreds of millions of dollars into a product, you're going to want to take over that product as soon as possible, right? I mean, you want your fingerprint, your imprint on that product ASAP, especially now that your name, your name is tied to that product. So I think this is, this, I mean, this might be the last season of Brody Van Wagenen. But then again, you have to think about who who else is going to be out there. Is there someone else better than him that will be out there? I don't know. And then it comes down to this. Do the Mets take a chance on, on, on Lou now, now from the Astros? His one-year suspension is going to be up. He's going to be eligible. Then what does that do? And how does that look on the organization? Because you know they're not banning him for life. They banned him for a season. And then the Astros fired him. So he is eligible next, not this season, next season. Do the Mets go down that route? I don't know. That's inter- It's interesting, isn't it? Maury in Belmore, you're on the fan. Good morning, Danielle. Great show. Thank you. Uh, you were talking about the 49ers, and what's incredible is they have, I think, five or six number one draft picks over the last two years on that defense. I think it's Are, five. Yeah, I, yes, it's five or six, but I think it's I'm, five. Yep. I, and then you got like a veteran, uh, you know, D backs, you know, from Seattle, and he 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 wants to win another one. I I truly believe that. As much as I love Spagnola as a Giant fan. Mm-hmm. He didn't. He, his defense is just not going to be. You know, I think if, if 49ers do their job, they should win this game. But I, I think this is probably the closest Super Bowl, or at least on paper, than we've had in many years. So I'm excited about it. But I do believe you were right that the 49ers probably will win this game, and Shanahan should probably get the coach of the year. Yeah, it's I, just 
my take. You know, yeah. I think that it puts everything together, especially when you're playing a, either a running team, a, a throwing team. I think they have they have it all on paper there. So we'll see. And I think it'll also help Belichick's cause if Garoppolo gets a win. I think that'll be potentially the thing that breaks the, the camel's back up in up in Boston. Yeah, and, and Maury, thanks for the call. When you think about how the, the 49ers offense stacks up, I mean, 49ers have a higher points per game total than Kansas City Chiefs, by the way. Jimmy Garoppolo, I know he threw the ball eight times. What was it, eight times in, in the last game? He's got the highest quarterback rating in the fourth quarter. He's got four fourth-quarter comebacks. That's tied for the most in the NFL this season. And just so you don't have to Google it, it's he's tied with Josh Allen from the Bills and Russell Wilson from the Seahawks. Jimmy Garoppolo has the highest quarterback rating when his team is trailing. I mean... I don't see a way the 49ers lose this game. And I know there's Patrick Mahomes. I get it. But I'm taking the 49ers defense over the Kansas City Chiefs offense. I just am. Jeff in Fairview, you're on the fan. Hey, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Great show. Uh, I want to talk about the the, the Super Bowl. Yeah. Garoppolo did not have a good game against... Uh, Against the Vikings. Uh, now, can the Chiefs' offensive line handle the 49ers' pass rush? We'll see. We'll see. If they, if they can, they're going to win this game. Chiefs need to get off to a better start, though. They can't get down like they got down against, you know, the Texans and the Titans. And I think the Chiefs' uh, defense can stop the 49ers' run. I mean, they stopped Derrick Henry. You know they're tough enough. Right. But can they stop that sweep, you know? I mean, terrible job by the Packers not stopping that, that sweep. Mm-hmm. The jet sweep. Yeah, well, I call it the, the Packers. The Packers <laughs> had a, used to have a great sweep with a Vince Lombardi. Yeah. Well, I, and that's and that's where this is going to come down to, Jeff. And you, you hit it. I mean, I think everybody's – This is that's the story. I mean, can the 49ers defensive line – Handle the Chiefs' offensive line. That's as simple as that. Because if 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 they can get to the quarterback, if they can get to Patrick Mahomes, if the 49ers can get to Patrick Mahomes, this game's over before it starts. And he's unlike others where, you know, if he, how do you say it? Like, you know, oh, we'll contain Patrick Mahomes to the pocket and, you know, we'll have a chance. Well, no, because Patrick Mahomes can beat you with his legs and with his arm. He's too double-faceted. But the problem with that is, the problem for him is going to be that with the, with the pressure that generated by that off that, that defensive line of the 49ers, I mean, that those could result in coverage sacks where you look down the field and you have nobody. Will Patrick Mahomes have the presence of mind to then get rid of the ball? I mean, he hasn't been around the league for that long. In the biggest game ever, you know, you, there's a question mark there. Whereas you got Jimmy Garoppolo on the other side of the ball, who's learned under Bill Belichick, who's learned under Tom Brady. I mean, you talk about preparation. I talked to uh, what's his name, Devin McCourty, about this once, about being prepared and, and what to expect in a Super Bowl, and he's like, "Listen." Our coach has been there, done that before. There's no guesswork involved. 
And although he was a backup, Jimmy Garoppolo is a two-time Super Bowl champion. Talk about been there, done that before. Whereas you have Patrick Mahomes, round one, pick 10 of the 2017 draft. Well, by that time, Jimmy Garoppolo has already won two Super Bowls. Again, not as a starting quarterback, but as a pretty good backup to probably the best quarterback to ever play the game. So in, it's times like this in these big games where experience matters. I'm going with the experienced quarterback over the inexperienced quarterback. As exciting as Patrick Mahomes is, as much... He was on my... my I played in a free league fantasy league this, this year. He was on... He was my quarterback. I like him. But when you get to the biggest stage, the, having been there, done that, having won two Super Bowl rings already as a backup, having a team that can be so multifaceted where you don't have to throw the ball 50 times to win. I think that speaks to Kyle Shanahan's strength. What it calls for, that's what you're going to do. That's how you're going to exploit the weakness of the team, the other team. And I think Kyle Shanahan has the edge in coaching as well. So more of your calls after the break, 877-337-6666. I'm Daniel McCartan on The Fan, and he is Marco Belletti. Hey, Nets fans, get ready for a special Brooklyn Nets box office blitz. Be listening hourly from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. tomorrow to win tickets to see the Nets and Detroit Pistons this Wednesday night at the Barclays Center, exclusively on your flagship station for Nets basketball. The Fan, Sports Radio 1019 FM and Sports Radio 66, WFAN and WFAN-FM, New York. That's why I'm easy. And is that the Pat Boyle signature? I say it every week. This is the last chance to get aboard here, guys, to McCartan in the morning. 877-337-6666. As I join you guys for the last time on this Sunday morning, January 26th, we are seven days away from the biggest game in football. Obviously, the Super Bowl, 49ers, Chiefs. Um, we've talked a lot of baseball tonight, Hall of Fame induction, all that. So everything at this point is on the table for you guys. And I introduced in my opening monologue the uh, the Super Bowl. I might still do it next week as well. Will Smith, Miami. Come on. That's a perfect song for that. Perfect song. And, of course, the Eli Manning retirement. I had uh, Jeremy Zucker and Chelsea Cutler. You were good to me because Eli Manning, over 16 seasons, has been good to the Giants and their fans. Let's head back to the phones. Let's go to Tony in West Virginia. You're on the fan. Hey, how's it going? Good, so, how are you? Um, pretty good. Last week I called you. It was my first time calling the show. And sure. I was dead wrong about my picks for the uh, championship Sunday. I, <laughs> I said uh, Green Bay was going to win it all and then to play Tennessee. And I, it's I okay. was way off. It happens. It's okay. Yeah. Well, that being said, I'm leaning towards Kansas City still. Um <laughs> But it's not locked in. I mean, you know, my pick's not locked in. But I, at the moment, I'm leaning towards Kansas City. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I'm not locked like in I, either, but I'm leaning towards the 49ers. So we're going to be different again this week. <laughs> I, I mean, I do share the opinion that everyone else as far as not really 
knowing for certain what's going to happen in this game for the first time in many years, you're yeah. not, you know, everyone's excited. Right. It could be a good game. Um, but real quick, I just wanted to hit on a topic that uh, a lot of people have been talking about lately, and that's where Tom Brady should go if he does leave New England. Mm-hmm. Um, if he does, I'm not saying that he should. Um, I think the Chargers would be the proper you know place for him to go. He'd be back home in California. Um, but with that being said, I think that the Chargers have made a mistake, and it's been kind of pointless for them to have parted ways with Philip Rivers. Um, I think when you look at Tom Brady in comparison to Philip Rivers, um, obviously Rivers does not have the postseason success as Brady. But ultimately, I you know I believe both of them are Hall of Fame quarterbacks. I think um, Philip Rivers has played his way statistically into that conversation as a Hall of Fame because if you look at guys like Dan Marino, Dan Fouts. Fran Tarkenton, Warren Moon, um, you know, you're not going to say a backup quarterback collecting rings can compare to those guys. And I think Philip Rivers deserves to be mentioned in that same conversation. And the reason why I bring all that up is because I believe at this point in both of their careers, I think that Rivers still has a little bit more upside physically than Brady. I think he's always been more talented than Brady, even though Brady's been the better quarterback. But at this stage in her career, I, I just think the Chargers were kind of making a pointless move to part ways with Phillip Rivers. But now that they have, um, I think for Brady and the Chargers, it would make sense for both parties for, for Brady to go there. You know, be, be, Yeah, I mean, I mean, they haven't officially parted ways here, though, because, I mean, the, I know the, the contract, and now he just hung up. I know the contract has expired, but that doesn't rule out the fact that they – might bring him back as well. I mean, he's in literally the same boat as Tom Brady is in. I mean, is his his team going to bring him back? We don't know. I mean, but it doesn't look good when he's selling his house and he's moving to his family to Florida for now to be with the, the rest of his family is what I saw. Um, Tom Brady also sold his house, but, I mean, come on. These guys don't live in one house, guys. These guys live in many houses. They have many houses all over the place. They're not like you and me. Okay, so... Um, although Philip Rivers is not under, he's not under contract with any team right now, but that doesn't rule out the fact that they can come back. The chargers can come back to him with an offer and that he might take. So let's, let's, let's get that straight. But I mean, the chargers, I have, I have three landing spots potential for Tom Brady. If in fact he does not resign with the Patriots and one of them is the chargers one of them is the Las Vegas Raiders, and one of them is the Dallas Cowboys. And, you know, as far as the Chargers, I mean, they have a new stadium with seats to fill. They've got lots of complaints about the away team fans being too prevalent in their stadiums and at their games. I mean, Tom Brady would certainly make the Chargers the new it team immediately. L.A. would be good for Giselle. But... You know, if you're Tom Brady, you're going to a win-now team. You want to win a Super Bowl right now. And the Chargers, I mean, this seems like they have some pieces in place, but again, they finished at 5-11 at the bottom of the lowest division, the AFC West, in the entire NFL. Well, maybe the NFC East is the worst, but you get what I'm trying to say. 5-11, and Versus a team that made the playoffs in his Patriots. I mean, if I'm Tom Brady, out of the options, I'm picking the the Patriots again. I'm staying put. I mean, of course, that is if they offer me it. 
but I would not want to be joining a 5-11 and 11 team over 40 years of age. He doesn't need the money. Tom Brady clearly doesn't need the money. So he'd be playing to win. And I don't think the Chargers offer him that best possibility of all the teams that are going to need a quarterback. That's all I'm trying to say. Bob in Riverhead, you're on the fan. Good morning, Danielle. What's up? You know, on this Brady stuff, um, I I don't know. I'm not sure whether he's going to retire or not. That I don't know. But what I do know from very good sources is that he has enrolled his children in New York, a New York private school for this upcoming year. So I find that very interesting. You know, and and he was also house hunting in Alpine, New Jersey, by the way. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I understand they have a place in the city, an apartment in the city, but I just find it very, very interesting that his kids now are going to be going to school in New York. So will Tom stay with New England? Uh, or will he retire? I can't see him going to another team if he's if he's not going to retire. But I don't know. I my feeling gut is I think he's going to retire. But again, that's my feeling. But like I said, his kids going to school in New York. It you know you want to be by your kids. I would think. <laughs> uh, you certainly. I mean, most people. Yes, some people. I can see why they wouldn't want to be by their kids. Oh yes, absolutely. <laughs> oh, just kidding. Um, but I, it's interesting. It's yeah. an interesting uh, little twist. Yeah, I know. And, and Bob, we're really reading the tea leaves here. I, I get that. Um, and I did not see that report about um, his kids being enrolled in New York. But that's something maybe I can look at. Uh, let's go, Ken, in Philadelphia. You're on the fan. Hi, Danielle. Thanks for taking the call. What's up? Um, I, I, earlier you were talking about why you thought the Mets had a good chance to win a wild card. Mm-hmm. And... Um, you said that they had the fielding, and fielding is a major weakness for them defensively. Um, I'm not sure where, I don't understand where you got that from. Well, I, I, have you seen Ahmed Rosario, the most important spot on the field, the shortstop, the strides he made in the second set, uh, second half of last year? I did, and it's encouraging, but that was just half the season. Uh, I always, I was, I've always been concerned about his footwork. Um, Seems like he's straightened first, it out, though. Really, seriously. The first half, the first half of the season was just horrible. Right. Um, and then he got know, in the I, film room, and then he got in the film room, and they've diagnosed the fact that he was standing too upright before the ball was pitched, and then boom, he stands. You know, he he gets into his stance, a lower stance, as the ball is crossing the plate, and that's what happens. Okay. Um, well. I'm, I'm, I, I hope that that the improvement continues or remains. Um, but uh, they're they're weak in a lot of positions too. I mean, Cano has has, has no range anymore. Um, That's a big concern for me. Yes, and so, you know, Nimmo, and, let, and Nimmo is not a true center fielder. Mm, I think that I think that out of the out of the outfielders, the biggest concern for me would be left field and J D Davis. He would be the biggest I, liability out there. Is a is a is a DH. <laughs> he I mean, I love his bat, but you know, he, he's he's a liability defensively wherever we put him. Um, you know, I just, I, I yeah, if, if Rosario continues to improve or continues to do what he did in the second half, that that will help. Which but I think he will. I I hope you're right. Um, but I don't think, in, in general, you could say that. I mean, the catching position is a disaster defensively. 
Not as, uh, not as bad as the Yankees. <laughs> well, I know, but that's not... <laughs> Say much. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know. So, uh, anyway, I just wanted to, I wanted to say that. I mean, you make some good points, and I'm, you know, I hope you're right. I just, uh, I'm a big Mets fan, but I, I'm not, you know, the defense really, really concerns me. Even still, Rosario. Yeah, I can. I, I don't know. Um, and I think the Mets are at a point, too, where they can, if they have any deficiencies, particularly left field, they can hit their way out of it at this point, I believe. And in years past, you know, talking about run support and things like that, um, I think this year they can do that. Whereas years in years past, they haven't been able to. Let's stay with the Mets. James in Long Island City, you're on the fan. Hi, Danielle. What's uh, up? I'm, your politic- I'm your political friend from Long Island City. That's why I'm up. <laughs> So early okay. because I'm out campaigning. I appreciate that. That's very good. I like the hustle. But and uh, you know all the negativity around the Mets from several several of your recent callers. I mean, I'm counting the hours till the first spring training game, and all they can do is find reasons to bash them. But as I'm thinking about it, you know, I'm going to have a hard time choosing between San Francisco and Kansas. Obviously, with Pat Mahomes, mm-hmm. the son of a. I'm not a great Met, but uh, a good man. And, yeah. of course, this guy seems to be a great man, too. But John Lynch is one of my all-time favorite uh, NFL players. So I'm going to have to choose between John Lynch and Patrick Mahomes. But uh, it should be a great game. I'm looking forward to it. I'll take a few hours off campaigning. And uh, good for you. I love hearing you. Oh, thanks. And who's it going to be, though? You didn't give me the answer. Is it going to be the Chiefs or the 49ers? I think it'll it'll be the forty nine. Okay, that Boza is amazing. It's yeah, like, it was like JJ J. Watt and Watt's best year. So yep, it'll be worth worth the watch. All right, well, James, I appreciate the call always. Thank you. And uh, I'm I, right now. I'm not telling you to make a pick. I'm not telling you to put any money on anything right this second. But I also am leaning towards the forty ers and I'm going to do some homework over the week. I'm going to talk to some people. And I'm going to see what they say. People in the know, let's just say. Hopefully I can get one or two of them on with you guys for next week. Um, But right now, I'm leaning towards the 49ers because of the defense. Defense wins championships, right? That that adage can't be wrong. Anthony in the Bronx, you're on the fan. All right, so you're going to like this call then. Okay. First off, I like your show because I can just tell you know what you're talking about. And, And like part of the reason, at least it seems to me, is like the little things that you appreciate and how you come up with your opinion, particularly on the 49ers. I really hope you don't talk yourself out of it because Mm -hmm. the little reasons on why you like Kyle Shanahan and the reasons you brought up, um, the, 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 the history you brought up in Andy Reid, I thought was a good way to come up with a, you know, an answer for a pick or, you know, a prediction. Right. Um, you know, I'm not sure how much people like. I think Kyle Shanahan sounds like he's he's getting credit, but it sounds like there are still a lot of people who are unsure. And I know there are a lot of people out there that probably want Andy Reid to win this game, just because the guy hasn't done it in 20 years. Mm-hmm. But you, you know, or however long it's been. But even the points on Andy Reid, I, I, it makes me wonder about that guy. And I'm a hundred percent on San Francisco already. And you, you actually made me even more of a believer than I already was. So, <laughs> well, if you if you put some cheese on it, I get twenty five percent. How's that sound? You did twenty five percent. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I want you to just get to the 100, but uh, I, I, I'm almost certain you're going to. Well, it's just you, I guess, reassuring yourself when you look at all the numbers, whatever you come up with. Because I thought you already had the good, good enough reason. Well, Anthony. You made the point. You made, well, if I, I just want to say you made the point about uh, the defense versus the offense. Yeah. I mean, and taking San Francisco. And it, it's the same thing on the other side of the ball. Really. Right, Anthony, I hate to cut you off. They're playing the music on us, both of us. I'll see you guys 3 to 6 a.m. Super Bowl Sunday. I'm sorry, Anthony, I had to do that. Great job to Pat behind the glass tonight. Marco on the updates. I'm sorry again, Anthony. I didn't mean to cut you off like that. All the callers could not have done it without you. Bob Salter is up next. In the meantime, hit my socials at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N, Facebook.com slash Coach McCartan. I will see you guys at 3 to 6 a.m. on Super Bowl Sunday. Sports Radio 101.9 FM and Sports Radio 66.